Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 238. We're back uh, after a slight hiatus of uh, we had to go save Charlie from the Shadow Realm. And uh, so Henry and I put together an expedition. Oh, fucking shit. I'm just living that double pug lifestyle now. <laughs> the pug realm. But yes, I'm- we're back. Yes. Oh, sorry, I, you're, <laughs> I'm doing the intro and I accidentally cut you off there, but yeah, we're we're the Wicked Awesome Cast, I am Alex, aka Mave Online, I'm joined here today with my cohorts, my internet partners in crime, if you will, uh, Henry, aka Kraken Zero, the resident cosplay man, uh, and all-around cool dude, and then there's Charlie, aka Mordek Undivided, the guy who likes Dead Game Anthem. I'm sorry, my relationship with Anthem has ended. I play Outrider now. <laughs> Friendship broken with Anthem. My new homie is uh, Outrider, you said? I, I. Oh, and I can feel it being the next Anthem in some ways, too. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the new big not destiny. Cool. Yeah. There's a meme on that subreddit that was the most amazing. Like, it was, the, it was like the hand, it was the. The, the bro grab thing from uh, Predator was the two fists, like people like that. They added an extra fist where it's like people sick of Destiny's loot grind, people trying to get away from Warframe, uh, people that just like uh, loot shooters, people that don't like Borderlands 3, people that like just maybe think the setting is cool, and what was the final one? Oh, uh, oh it was Anthem Refugees or something like that. It was <laughs> great. And then he's like, oh, by their powers combined, they are the new Outriders fan base. But yeah, no, I, I guess like the I, I've now acquired a second pug. Her name is Scrim, so we now have Scrim and Scrump. Scrim is short for Scrimshaw. And I didn't quite feel right about the whole prospect of like, okay, so we got this dog yesterday. Your problem now, wife. And yeah, no, she's adjusted in. She's sleeping on the couch. Uh she appears to be uh infected or possessing of a demon of some kind. Uh a more tragic kind of it, it's funny to live with her because, like, hey, she just sounds like she's like a demon growling at you, but it's because before we got her and before the rescue we got her from got her, someone did some shit to her vocal cords. As best we can tell, she does not feel pain from it, which is fantastic. But when she barks, it's just like this <laughs> sound. Whoa. Oh, jeez. It's gnarly. Yeah, yeah, it, it's the, I'd feel worse if it wasn't so funny, and she's obviously not in pain because of it, but she does it, like, it's, she is the most metal pug possible, like, she's blind in one eye, like, she, she, she comes to us from the far away, from far, far away, uh, technically, a uh, pug rescue in China that gets pugs out of, like, uh, the, the meat market stuff, and then brings them to other countries where people don't eat dogs, and so we got her kind of thing, so they did a thing with the rescue we got scrum from originally, and now we have two pugs. Well, that's a badass. That kind of looks like a tiny bear. It's got big ass paws. It's I, I and me and my wife have started joking that like we've picked we've picked champions basically where uh, Scrump is her champion and Scrim is mine and Scrim just has a mean right hook of like slapping stuff out of Scrump's mouth. It's pretty funny to watch, but also kind of a problem. But like she like will walk up and just whack a toy out of Scrump's mouth and keep walking. I'm like I'm so proud, but also don't be a jerk to the other dog. It's so funny, the first time they start a fight over it, but they're fine now. The last 24 hours, they have come to terms with each other in a marvelous way, and they're sleeping on opposite sides of the room we record in, so, yeah. Oh, good. With that double pug lifestyle, we, we, we do thank you for the uh, 
putting up with the week off, but for the sake of my marriage and also just to be a decent human being, I'm like, I can't record this week because my wife will kill me, rightfully so. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. You've got new dog. New dogs is always a, a thing, like, for sure. I, it, it literally was like, hi, we have this dog we've had for less than 24 hours. Neat. I'm going to lock myself in into a podcast <laughs> where I cannot be bothered for multiple hours on end. No, that won't get her to divorce my ass instantaneously. No, no. We wouldn't show up in court and they're like, are you this much of an asshole, mister? I'd be like, yeah, I, I did say that. No. <laughs> We're gonna give you double all of your. She's gonna get all, double all of your stuff. I understand what I did. You have to. You have to materialize extra just to make it up. Yeah. <laughs> Legal am court ordered now to take out a second job and like other stuff to make up the difference. Now, gonna watch the pug. Yeah. <laughs> no, but on uh, on top of new pug duties and all that stuff that goes along with that, I did play some video game. Oh, go on. Yeah, so I uh, we'll get to this in the news, but some anthem stuff happened that uh, I did go back and you know um, play more anthem, just kind of see it's see it's off. And I, I stay. I, I know the joke became that I fucking love that game, and I, I know I defended it more than probably deserved in some ways. The combat and the flight stuff in that game was always fun. The rest of it was kind of a hot garbage game that had its problems, but the I have an Iron Man armor is still a cool thing to this day, and I wish they'd do more of it. It'd be cool to see a better game studio do something with that whole mechanic stuff to it as well. And this is a long, drawn-out way of saying, I also played the demo for Outriders this week, which sure has the feeling of, yo, we're gonna be the next Anthem, a game that like came out strong, had a fan base behind, and then just petered out into nothingness. Pretty goddamn quickly. I, for those who don't know what it is, this one, uh, where Anthem was Iron Man loot shooter, this is Gears of War, but with Destiny powers, the loot shooter. I dig it. I think it's cool. I don't think it's better than Destiny. I don't think it, it doesn't play better than Destiny. I think, like, Anthem at least played cool. Outriders is a pretty decent third person. It plays better than the Division, I guess. Like, if, if you were looking for a more magical version of The Division, oh boy, do I have a video game for you. If you were looking for a cover shooter version of Destiny, ah, maybe keep looking. Like, this thing's cool and all, but it doesn't... It, Bungie makes very good shooting video games. There, I said it kind of thing. Like, when it comes to shooting things in faces, Bungie does a hell of a job making that game good, and I think, like, the shooting combat of this game is both... it's. It's of a kind of Gears of War clone quality. It's pretty good. The powers for the class I've chosen to play are real fun. The world is real weird. I like the fact the protagonist talks a bunch throughout the game you're playing and is super confused about what the fuck's going on around them. Like one of I think the kind of the biggest early gripes, I think this day gripes about Destiny's whole story is the fact that your character just kind of is like A silent but B is like, okay, fine, whatever. The character you were playing as an outrider is constantly like, what the shit is going on? Why do I have superpowers? I went into cryostasis a couple hours ago and woke up in Mad Max land. The fuck happened? <laughs> and I think that works well for the game. I, it's, it's a hard M rating and that game uses every inch of that M rating possible. Like, 
Destiny is like, oh, it's space shooty kind of sci-fi odyssey. There's a moment very early after the prologue in this game where they pull a Skyrim and put you on a truck with another person kind of catching you up on what the fuck happened a little bit as you drive through a human genocide, like, tunnel of corpses. And it's like, oh shit, this game is not messing around with how Edgelord is trying to be. And then it ends, and that like whole segment ends with the guy being like, how the fuck do you not know why we're at war getting shot in the head and kicked off the truck kind of thing? Like, it is... The game is ridiculous. It's it's fun to play, though. I'm playing the Devastator. I've tried all three... I've tried all four classes. Fuck anyone who thinks a Technomancer is a worthwhile playing class. Their superpowers are, oh, I summon guns! Yeah, that's neat, but the other classes have time powers, or earthbenders, or firebenders, and it's quaint you pick the class that, like, I can make turrets! Congratulations, <laughs> you chose to be Batman when you could have been Superman. Congratulations on your wrong-ass choice. I guess I it's not like, I mean, for- Borderlands, oh, you know, the Mecromancer of Borderlands is actually really fucking good. Yes, but, but the Mecromancer, like, so... But would you choose to be the guy that shoots down turrets in Borderlands 2 when you could be the necromancer? Uh, a lot of people did choose the guy who uses turrets. Yeah, before, before the necromancer was out there. Yeah, it's I, I get it. I'm mostly making fun of technomancers. They're just not super great <laughs> fight stuff. Like I, I also, as someone who's playing a Devastator, I have to look down on the other classes as being um, cowardly uh, nerdy wizard, cowardly fire wizard, and Sneaky time wizard because so this is the demo for Outriders. It's not a beta, it's a demo. Like it's the first kind of chunk of the game. All the stuff you do in this will carry over to the real release of the game. I've played enough of it to go, yeah, I'll fucking buy this game when it comes out. Like they've said it's got a 40 hour story. I've played worse RPGs. This thing shoots fine, it plays fun. I'm having fun. Again, as someone who played through all of Anthem, this is minus to be able to fly in every direction a better game than Anthem, and I think it's a cool setting and stuff, I want to see what's going through. The game starts off with uh, a big chunk of humanity has fled Earth because Earth, turns out, got terrible, Like, and they keep eluding back. You get the occasional snippet of why humans had to leave Earth, and it's the most like believable explanation of, oh yeah, no, we ruined our planet, and we had to leave, and it did not go well. Like Your character basically is... You're playing a character who's an outrider, who was part of kind of the forward exploratory team who they heavily imply were like violent criminals that were part of gang activity on Earth. They're like, no, we can use these people as expendable scouts. Like they are super competent in combat and have no problems with just murdering people as need be. You're playing one of those characters, which is great, I think, for the setting because you do murder a lot of people for no other reason than they looked at you funny. And, yeah, so it, you you get mystical space powers. I'm not going to go into it because I don't fully understand what's going on. planet you wind up on, despite, like, Initiate scans being this perfect, like, oh, it's a wonderful planet of, like, peace and tranquility. It's basically Earth. Has paracausal storms that warp reality, and most of the time they just straight murder people but occasionally they turn you into an altered and you are playing as an altered who got dumped in cryostasis because when they first encountered one of these storms, people freaked the fuck out and didn't know what the hell was going on and you wake up. I think it's 35 years after you kind of make planet fall. 
then you wake up and there's a chime jump and things get terrible during the time jump, but it also doesn't explain for all the crazy infrastructure that pops up during the time jump. Like, there's a lot of hand-waving of, like, future tech allowed us to make this city, and then it went terrible. Okay. Here's another game for an example, actually. Uh, remember a while back we were talking about, I'm blanking on the name, that, like, it was the, the new game from Obsidian, uh, the space game that was all about you got pulled out of cryo because they were like, selectively choosing people. Um, I'm playing like, Outer Planets, Outer Wild, something like that. Outer Space. You remember what I'm talking about? Uh, no. I'm trying to remember, but I don't. I mean, ring a bell? Talking about the Outer Wilds done by uh, you know, the company that had, uh, that had done uh, uh, Fallout originally. Are you talking about that? I think that's what I'm talking about, yeah. The Outer Wilds is the one from a different out people. That was the loop game. Um, outer doesn't matter. Uh, yep, yeah. that game proposed that. So that game has a conundrum in it where there's a ship full of millions of people in cryostasis that is quote lost, but it turns out the kind of megacorps running things knew exactly where it was, but also chose not to unfreeze the people because colonization efforts were you know not going great and. They were kind of worried about what the sudden influx of people would be, and that's how that game kind of exists. This game is someone pressed the go button without thinking about it, so the entire kind of explanation as to why humans are terrible is that you basically have the factions of people that kind of got down first and got situated, and then then you have the other factions, all the people that kind of got like unfrozen way too quickly. Like it turns out the planet like wrecks tech, like there's barely electricity, etc. etc. Like it's it's all the kind of Mad Max tropes you'd expect, but caused by these storms that literally warp reality when they happen. And you're playing on this world. There's alien life. There's uh, lots of human stuff right now. It's got as so. It's only the demo, and it's kind of it's from a combat perspective. I'm digging it from a way the map is set up. This first zone, it's kind of cool where you're you you got your home camp, which is a kind of typical function of these types of games. And then you have this kind of World War Two, World War One, no man's land that all your missions take you out into and through to get to the actual missions. And in the no man's land, there's like, uh, you, I think they're called like rally uh, battle banner flags or something. You unlock fast travel points inside of it, but there are little kind of combat arenas throughout the no man's land that you're going through, and it's like it's appropriately terrible out there. It's what I kind of dig about this game is something I talk about the Killzone franchise, which was it leans heavily into the kind of the horrors of war. Like, like the people, the other alters you're going after have kind of, for the most part, like a couple of them are on like the good human side that aren't like into torture and cannibalism and shit like that. They're not kind of the wild humans, for lack of a better phrase. But a lot of them are kind of pulling the Magneto, we're better than humans now, fuck them a little bit. But then the opposite side, you have people that are using their now kind of random superpowers at some frequency to just do some horrible things to other people. And the game leans very hard into kind of that horrors of war, the horrors of combat aspects of it, which I think makes the game work a little bit better. Like, you're not playing as a good person. There's no good people you're interacting with. There's, like, more lighthearted people, I guess. Like, one of the side missions starts where you get invited to tea by a shop owner, 
And then someone just murders that dude, and you're like, ah, fuck, I'm gonna get that guy revenge, I guess, whatever. And your character's even like, dude, I want to try that tea. <laughs> your only motivation is like, eh, I'm gonna follow these gangsters back to their place and kill them. Why? They might have some decent loot I can steal, I guess, and I need new guns. And your character's very aware of that motivation. Like, if the game has some fun tongue-in-cheek moments, at least in the demo, where your character like is like gearing up for an action movie star line, and like then someone cuts them off by just murdering the person you're talking to, and your character's like, "Dude, I was gonna have a moment there, really," which I find endearing. I know some people are gonna find that off-putting, but it's yeah, it, the game like even justifies it as like now that you've been become altered, you're kind of immortal. That's the whole problem of only alters can kill other alters. It's a, it's a big problem. And, like, for better or worse, the bad guy faction has more alters, and that's a real problem for the not-bad-guy faction. And So it's kind of Highlander, then? A little bit, yeah. That's actually a good way of putting it, yeah. It's... Uh, yeah, and, like, the powers, I think, like, where Destiny kind of, you have these cool superpowers, the powers you get in Outrider are over the top. The class I'm playing is Devastator, which my character technically, I guess, is based around Earth manipulation and gravity manipulation, and you start the game off with basically just kind of shoot earthquakes at people. It's a, it's a directional earthquake. It's something we've seen in every video game before. It's it's fine. It's, it's, it's your base level power, but as you upgrade your character, it gets better, so like the radius gets better. And then we'll start snaking through people as best I can. And it gets pretty damn devastating. It started off with, I could hit one or two people, and now I can take out like seven or eight people in a pretty decent radius from each other because it will snake through them all. But I've replaced that with, and this is where the game started getting cool. As a devastator, you eventually get, um, I think it's called like block bullets or something. And it's literally you raise your hands and using gravity, you collect every bullet shot at you, and then you throw it back at everyone. And as a tanking class character, that is such a cool ability. I and mean, you can, and it's got some other stuff where it's got like, it's called Golem for you to kind of do this typical stone skin thing. But there's modifications you can throw on that where you can like ricochet the bullets back at people. And my favorite ability my Devastator has is I float into the air and become like a mass storm of rocks and then just dive bomb on someone as a radius attack. Like it's, I'm having a lot of fun with the powers in this game. And I think where. Destiny, the powers were kind of... They're they're pretty spread out. Like There are augmentations you can get to speed up like your melee abilities and things. This is fast. Like You, you get your powers back, I think I want to say, easily in like 30 seconds at most, depending on the power. Like The Devastator's ones are slow. The Pyromancer, who's my second favorite class so far, has this like fire spike ability you shoot at people. You get that back in like 10 seconds, I want to say. It is so on demand when you want it. And and that leads into what I think is maybe the coolest part of this game, which is it's technically a cover shooter, and for the non-Devastator-based characters, it's definitely more of a cover-based shooter, but each class in the game has a semi-unique way of recovering health, and they're all kind of based on what that class does. So the Trickster, which is kind of this time dilation class, you get your health back, and you actually get generate a shield on yourself by killing enemies with your abilities. The Devastator gets health back purely on if you are close to people when they die, you start health regen. So, and the class is built around SMGs, assault rifles, and shotguns, 
and almost all of its abilities allow you to be kind of just up in it doing stuff. Uh, the Pyromancer is kind of based towards more like medium combat, and its whole shtick is it burns people, obviously, because it shoots fire. And anyone that's on fire when you kill them or suffering from the burn effect triggers your health regen. So you're just fucking spamming fireballs in every direction, then going cleaning up with whatever weapons you got to kind of get that health regen going. It's a cool mechanic. The Trickster, it's just kind of... I, they are the sniper class. Like their things, their whole thing is like, oh yeah, no, like uh, th- this class inflicts like toxin and other status effects, and they're based around that. But it's it's a very reserved playstyle. The people that are playing it, I use Destiny are often kind of more of the they play warlock. Let's put it that way. They, they like a class that you can kind of sit back and do stuff with, as opposed to being up in it. Is the common thread I've seen. But yeah, no, I the game has some rough edges. It's got kind of a weird problem where. It doesn't seem to play the best on console, and playing this with a controller is definitely better than playing it with PC, but it also runs on my laptop at medium, which is pretty damn well optimized in my book at that point, and it looks really good, and I've maintained a pretty stable frame rate, so it's well made, at least the demo so far has been. They at least a patch that made it a little bit kind of wonkier, but also... It feels good. Like, I'm not going to say if you're into Destiny, you'll be into this thing, but if you're into Warframe, I think this is a better Warframe at the end of the day. Like, it's got that kind of same thing going on. The guns just feel better. There's no jump button. There is a kind of cover mechanic you can slide in and out of. Less important for Devastators, but also on boss fights, you're sure as hell glad it's there. Like, and no, no jump button? No jump button. That's weird. But it's got a cover button. I know. That's still fucking weird. I don't disagree. Especially I, th- for me, that's kind of a deal breaker. It's like, nah, I'm probably never going to play that game. Division and Gears of War didn't have a one either. Like that seems to be kind of the norm. Yeah, I don't like either of those games. No, and that's the thing too. Like, it, it feels a lot like Gears of War when you're using the cover system, and I like Gears mm. of War a lot. I never liked Gears of War. Yeah, no, it's yeah. It, this is a game for the Division crowd, I think, in some ways. It wanted a more kind of bombastic, over-the-top version of the Division. So, Alex, you might dig it, actually, because you like the Division a lot more than I did. I do appreciate uh, Division. I've actually been playing it recently. No, so. I, I, I might, and here, but here's the rub, I think, too. Like, this thing is bombastic. It actually might be, like... Well, the Division feels tactical and stuff. I got a weapon in this game last night that's a double-barrel auto-shotgun that recovers people's health while I kill them with it. Like, it's... This game leans hard into the weird sci-fi mysticism it's got going on. Like, down to a shotgun I really want because it looks cool is a gu- is a shotgun that's caught in a time anomaly, so parts of it are kind of, like, slowly phasing out of time when you're carrying it around. It looks cool as hell. Like, I don't care if it's good or not. I think it looks neat. And there's status effects and stuff. Yeah, I, this is a... This is a new kind of looter shooter made for the Division Warframe anthem, I guess, crowd. Like, it will appeal to the Borderlands people, I think, in some ways, too. It's the it's everything around the Destiny looter shooter, where Destiny, I think, still is a much better game, but this also allegedly has a 40-hour kind of main campaign to it, and what I've played so far on the demo, I've dug, so I'm going to be pretty happy playing this thing. Like, it, it, it seems cool. I can't, I, I can't knock how, not how cool it seems occasionally. Yeah, I guess my thing is like with the jumping, with the lack of jumping, it's like I foresee there being barriers that are waist high that you cannot oh, cross. Yeah. That are oh yeah, which and that's fucking stupid. Oh yeah, there's there's at least one comment arena I've been into where 
there is a kind of jump up or over waste barriers so if with the cover system, you can run up and tap B quickly and you will vault over them. There was an instance where I wanted to run up on top of something and shoot down on some people, and it did not let me do that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yep. it's, it's it's Gears of War rules. Got it. Yep. No, that's the thing. It's like the I don't know. It's it gets me that we're in 2021, and they still have games where a waist high barrier is just like the the bear the ultimate unpenetrable barrier that's ever been made. Like it, you may literally still making mazes out of like stuff that's like ain't that's like knee high. It's like. No, I could just walk over that. Well, and I've chosen to un, kind of un, what's the right phrase? Unengage from all of that because the Devastator, you don't bother using the cover team. You just kind of run around. It becomes a run and gun if you're playing Devastator because you need to be up in it at all times, kind of doing stuff. Like, that's the weird thing. The game very early on, like, basically throws the line at you of, like, yeah, we have a cover system you can use if you're a coward, I guess. And I'm like, I appreciate that because this game is meant to be played kind of running and gunning and. I get that there's cover, and maybe, like, the... I feel weird every time I reference this is maybe the best implementation of a cover system ever, but the fucking Army of Two franchise had one where so long as you were crouched and you ran up to cover, you automatically kind of latched onto it, and you could also walk away from it and stay kind of crouched. Like, that game had its problems. Its approach to a cover system without a jump button, I think is still to this day one of the best versions of it ever. For a third-person cover-based shooter game, that thing did some stuff with that stuff. I wish everyone else had since tried to replicate in some way. But yeah, this feels Gears of War. You stick, you slide, you you roadie run as need be, or you don't because you just lean into the superpowers and go about working people as you should. I, yeah, I've I've had fun with it, I guess. like I, it's, it's the demo, so I'm not going to give it like, the full Charlie thumbs up, go fucking get this game, but if you're curious, the demo is free, it's fun, it's meaty, there's stuff to dig into, it's cross-platform, so if you got friends on PC and you got friends on PS4 or Xbox or PS5, you can all play together. It's a little bit of a janky system right now, like, it's got kind of the, uh, you have to make a lobby, essentially, which is not the worst thing in the world, I think it's easiest in that case if, like, the PC person sets it together, because you can send out the information over Discord. But mm. yeah, it's for a game that does not let you merge multiple games friends list because that sounds like a goddamn nightmare. It still works somehow, and I gotta give it points for that. Like we're getting crossplay in Destiny in one or two seasons allegedly, and if it works as well as this version of the as this game's version does, people will be fucking ecstatic. Like it's only that part of the game is in quote beta right now, and it definitely feels a little bit in beta, but also if they just kind of slap a Outriders account that fixes all of that stuff. They've got a hell of a crossplay system in place. I've been very impressed with it so far, and I, I, I like the game, I guess. like it, it seems cool. I will happily spend money on it and play it, and then maybe be like, meh, all that money I spent on this game. But I also, like, it's the best Mass Effect game since Mass Effect 3. Maybe that's my kind of take on it for the time being. <laughs> maybe since Mass Effect 2, even. If you're into Mass Effect, you'll like this game. The combat kind of feels like Mass Effect 2's that kind of mix of powers and getting into it cover-based shooting. I also, for no defendable reason, have been playing um, Total War, Warhammer 2, or whatever the fuck that game is called. I don't know why. I got way into that thing all of a sudden. But, yeah, no, what have you two been up to? Um, so, I mean, it's been a bit since I've been here, but um, 
I guess I'll get the first cool fun announcement out of the way here. My sister had uh, her second kid. Congratulations. Yeah, I am Uncle Part 2 now. I was say Uncle so, Squared. Uncle Squared. Uncle 2, Electric Boogaloo. So, uh, yeah, shout-outs to my sis and my brother-in-law. They had a nice, healthy baby a couple days ago, so happy, happy for them. And hopefully once things kind of start to settle down, I can get down there and see him and all that jazz, so. Uh, yeah, so, um, also, have you guys been watching WandaVision, by the way? Yeah, I, yep. That show is so fucking good. Yeah, uh, I, ha- I haven't been watching. I've been thinking about it, but I just haven't really had time, I guess, or... If you like that show, Alex, may I recommend the show Twin Peaks? I I will check that out at some point as well. May I also yeah. recommend the first season of True Detective and the show <laughs> Outsiders on uh, HBO. Yeah, it's it's doing that kind of hmm. Lynchian horror stuff real good. Yeah, it's yeah, real I'm, good! I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Lynch stuff and Twin Peaks, so yeah, that makes me want to watch it more. It's yeah, It is one of the best examples of kind of that approach to horror since Twin Peaks in some ways. Like, it it could have gone really badly into, fuck, what's that movie called? Um, Pleasantville or something like that? It could have done that, but it didn't. It kind of maintains a nice vibe the entire way through, but I'm also stepping on Alex, who brought this thing up, so I'm going to go back to talking. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a great show. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. The It's supposed to be a series finale next week as of this podcast it- releasing. Yes, because it's only a nine-episode okay. run. So, but it, it, it's clearly being used to establish the next kind of big arc of the MCU, if you will. Kind of like how when you uh, when you saw Thanos in the first Avengers movie, kind of thing. It's very much kind of has that vibe of setting up what the next couple of uh, MCU type things are going to be. So, at least that's my guess. But. Definitely feels uh, definitely feels good. I enjoy it. They've done a good um, job of kind of subverting <laughs> expectations. I thought I knew what was going on with that thing a couple of times because I know my Marvel bullshit well, and they've gotten me at least twice on that show. I thought it was AIM at one point. It wasn't. I thought it was a couple other things. Like, actually, no, it's not. And I'm like, well done, TV show. Yeah. It, it's it's definitely, uh, definitely, definitely interesting. So... If you haven't seen it, Henry, definitely check it out. Um, yeah. And then, of course, um, so a couple weeks ago, since uh, you guys know I live in Oregon, we got hit pretty pretty hard with a winter storm. Like legit um, snow by my standards, even. Yeah, like snow piled up pretty high, um, at least in my area. So since I, I'm closer to, like, the gorge and all that, so we get a lot of really cold winds. Can you two explain this? Like, what is this gorge you speak of? I've never heard of this before. Is there like a, is this kind of like lake effect snow back in the New New York area? Like, is there a spot of Portland people go, oh yeah, that gets the worst snow because of the gorge? It, it's, I've been told that's what it is. I'm not 100% familiar with it. No, I can, but if that's the case, yeah, it's whether it gets trapped there. I know that phenomenon well. Yeah. So basically, yeah, we're, we're, we're not too far from the gorge. Over here, and so we get a lot of, uh, we get some pretty cold weather, especially a lot of cold, like, really cold winds. 
Um, and so we, uh, we had the snow come down. I know at my area, we got a lot of snow. I know with coworkers, they got a lot of frozen rain, uh, which was kind of interesting too, because they apparently had some pretty sizable chunks of snow falling from the sky, kind of, or chunks of ice falling from the sky in their area. And since theirs is not as cold as where we are, um, anything that hit the ground like that immediately turned to ice. And so they had just frozen roads, like not even snow frozen roads, but just flat out, like really bad ice. So the, most of the, uh, most of the area shut down as expected. I know like my work stuff, I mean, I worked from home that whole week, but yeah, uh, after a couple of days, coworkers were able to get to work. I was trapped in snow where I was at, and my shovel was buried out in the snow somewhere because I had left it outside in the garden. So I couldn't dig my way out. And I was like, oh, I got a Subaru. Let me uh, let me go ahead and just see if I can tackle the snow. Yeah, not not with my tires. <laughs> Nature backhanded you hard. It's like, show, know your place, bitch. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> I, I underestimated some of the snow, I have to say. Um. I, yeah, I I think kind of as we're learning from Texas that we spend a lot of time in the Northeast being like it's snow, we'll fucking deal with it. And if you're not used to dealing with it, the ramifications of what snow can actually do, and like, oh, it's it's light and fluffy, and from the movie, oh, snow's a motherfucker. Snow shows up. It's like it's like yeah, no, I'm almost as bad as other stuff, maybe worse. Why I stick around when yeah. I show up, I'm just around forever. But. Yeah, so it was um, it was interesting to say the least. So I was essentially trapped in my house for a couple days. Um, my power went out for about twelve hours, Oof. which kind of sucks because I I sleep with a CPAP, so not being able to have that to sleep was real fucking rough. Are you gonna go the extreme approach and get a generator now in response to that? No, I'm gonna buy an external battery that would power the. Uh, they have an external. Power pack you can get for CPAPs in case of things like this. I use it for camping, so I figured I can use that. Yeah, that's just smart. in case. That's a very smart call. I are you unlucky enough that your house's heat is tied to your electricity? Uh, it was a gas heater. Well, yes, still though, because it runs off the. It's all central air, so it's got the heat and the central air all built into one thing. If yeah. You will. So it got pretty cold, but not as bad. Like I was, I had, you know, my, I have some pretty warm blankets. I have the poncho plus, plus I have a dog and Beasley likes to cuddle up when we sleep. So we'll, uh, she'll get warm and I get warm and we're fine. So, um, but yeah, my concern of course was making sure that my stuff in the fridge didn't go bad. And luckily since it was only 12 hours, we were fine. Um, yeah, overall, it was an interesting adventure. I will say, again, and uh, my underestimating the snow and the snowstorm, I was like, oh, well, it's starting to snow pretty bad. I think I'll just order a pizza and go pick it up before it gets really bad. Bitch, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's an amateur hour move there, dude. Oh, fucking amateur hour, because that's what I, I ordered. It, okay, I ordered it first before seeing if I can get out of the driveway with my car. <laughs> And then I place the order, I get in the car, I try to pull out of my driveway, and I'm fucking stuck, and I'm like, well, this shit ain't gonna work. So, my next idea, mind you, uh, I'm like, yeah, this'll be fine. 
I put on some jeans, like my normal work shoes, Ooh. my uh, poncho, and my flannel, and I'm like, I'll just walk to the pizza place. It's only like, eh, it's it's only a few blocks away. I can make it. Nah, dog. It's not a condescending <laughs> question. Had you never experienced jeans plus winter before, or jeans plus snow before? No. Oh, that's a that's a. Bad lesson to learn in that case. Uh, you're, you're, yeah, you're here. Yeah, unless okay. your jeans are like Scotch guarded, they're they're probably one of the worst things to wear. <laughs> yeah, well, I figured that one out. <laughs> that was great, and I, I had a total. Like, like, you know, even though this is a bad, I got like halfway, and I was like, "Yeah, this ain't happening." Like, because I was still getting through tons of snow that are already piled up to begin with. I hadn't even gotten to the street yet. Like. Or at least to the main street where I where I would go up to the pizza place, and so I'm like definitely hitting some really rough patches of just trying to walk over there, and thinking there is no way I'm going to be able to do this carrying a pizza back with like <laughs> whatever else I got. Like this is not going to happen. And so I got about halfway there, and I'm like, yeah, this ain't it, because I got my face mask on. I've got like I figured I can wear it because it'll keep my face warm. Uh, I got my glasses completely fucking fogging up, plus getting hit by snow. I've got nothing on my head, so my hair is freezing because it you was. Don't, you went out when it's snowing without a hat. I'm hearing some real. Yeah. Oh, oh, my sweet summer child. Some triple, some triple A winter storm play, my friend. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This is why I wanted to save this story for the podcast. <laughs> So uh, hell, I'm gonna bug this is some double A winter winter survival play. Let's 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 see how this plays out, though. I'm kind of curious. Yeah. <laughs> so I make it about halfway, and I'm like, "Yeah, this ain't it." And mind you, it's fucking windy as shit. So my poncho's blowing all over the place. I have uh, snow all over the poncho. My hair is f- like frozen because I actually yeah. ran my hands through it, and yeah, my hair legit got frozen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this ain't happening. Fuck it. Whoever works at that pizza place can have the free pizza. And I uh, I start walking back. You, you dressed so- for like an L.A. winter. <laughs> How did you think that was ever going to work? I mean, this isn't your first winter in, Wait, in Portland either. That's just his first real winter, though. Uh, let's ask my first so. question. Storm. Did you, you said you got the pizza and walked back, right? No, I didn't. I okay. made it halfway to the pizza place and then decided no, no fair, fair, and okay. came I back home. I guess. Yeah. If you had gotten to the pizza place, would you have tried to have walked back with your pizza? How else would I have gotten home? Oh, this fucking amateur hour bullshit. You bend that pizza in half and you shove it all down your throat and then you walk back because the pizza inside of you keeps you warm. God, you were not meant to survive <laughs> in winter. <laughs> I'm, I'm from fucking SoCal. What did you expect? Oh, it's when you call me and I give you, tell you how to survive in these instances. You know? <laughs> like, I, I've been I like, mean, so you get that pizza delivered, right? No, I'm going to go get it. Mm, I could do that. You can't. The, well, they had canceled delivery in the area because of the snowstorm, so I figured I'll just walk over there and drive over there. Yeah, yeah, they were smarter than you. Yeah. Their pizza delivery guys are like, Nah, bro, I'm not going out in that. And you're like, I'm from SoCal. I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna put on these jeans and a light jacket and walk over. 
And no hat. No hat. And no hat. Yep. <laughs> the idea of no hat is the part I find most infuriating. Oh, yeah, As, oh yeah, that's that's my favorite part too. As okay, someone will so put on a explain- hat before putting on pants when I get cold. This whole sentence is angering me. So, okay, maybe I'm not getting it. Explain the hat thing. I, I know my hair froze. Majority of your heat is lost out through your neck and your ears. Because okay. there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of blood blowing flowing through there a lot. But also, your head tends to be the most exposed anyway, yeah. and it's at the kind of the top of your body. Because you need at least part of your face, you know, visible so you can, like, see. You also have obviously. the most kind of, it's it's a high concentration of blood vessels in your yes. head and neck area. So it's, Especially your neck. Yeah. Which is why scarves, like, I have multiple winter scarves, man. Yeah. It, it's also mm. why, like, you see skiing people wear turtlenecks, of all things. Like, why are mm. they wearing that horrible yep. shirt? It's because it protects their neck. Like, neck warmers, if you've ever sat there and wondered why the fuck do people wear earmuffs that look like assholes wearing them, it's because earmuffs cover your ears, and, like, it's you have two giant holes in the side of your head that let heat out. That's what your ears do in kind of that situation. So anything to keep that air in is the move. Like, And, and also, your ears themselves are like kind of sticking out from your head and they're kind of thin and they get they get you can get frostbite yeah. on your ears yeah, real not, fucking quick not a lot of circulation up inside oh. there's no fat on your ears so yeah you want to keep them covered yeah it's like I, yeah it's surprising how well you can do with like a high collared shirt and a hat mm-hmm. compared to a jacket kind of thing like it's it's mm-hmm. why all the winter coats i own have like a zip up and then like a neck strap portion of it, so you can like lock that neck down. And the, mine, uh, mine does yeah, too. Yeah, like it's mine. Mine goes like all the way up, like to you know above my neck, and it goes down past my fucking knees. Yeah, That's my winter coat. Yeah, it's why if you look at like extreme winter people, they have these like dorky ass jackets that like the neck comes up to their nose, and then the hood stuff starts. That's because they're making a carapace of heat trapping at that point. Like it's yep. It's also why you hear like the whole concept of like layers. That jacket is relatively thin. There's like nine layers below that jacket. It's mm-hmm. doing the heat, so you can like whip that thing off if, as need be, and like strip down as you start getting warm. Like I guess like the other pro tip I got is the moment you start to sweat, you have to start panicking a little bit because you have to like let's say one of the winter things you don't know, but unless you grew up with like legit winter, is it's not about being warm; it's about being safely cold at a certain point. Where it's like, yeah, if you can get your body to a point where like you're uncomfortable but not like dangerously uncomfortable you stick there because if you start to sweat or overheat all that moisture has to go somewhere and it's into your clothing and when that and that shit will freeze it will freeze a lot faster than you think it will yep. you now have ice pockets all over your clothing that are making you colder yeah oh. so yep yeah. so when i've been skiing it's like it's one of the reasons why you'll see people skiing in like a proper cold place, you know, not even like summer skiing or you know spring skiing, anyways. But uh, they aren't don't seem to be wearing that much. It's because you're skiing and you get and if you're not careful, you can get pretty sweaty and that ruins your fucking yeah. yeah. So yeah, whenever I've been skiing, I'm always slightly cold, like just because yeah, instead of overly warm because it's like i'm gonna be sweating a little bit just because i am putting out a lot of you know i'm doing something very active and so typically like like if you look at like 
ski suits and what people wear, they're not terribly thick. And people are usually wearing maybe a couple of layers because yeah, yeah, you the, warm up real fucking quick. The one I recommend for people, if you're looking for like Charlie's pro strat of what winter coat to buy on this video game ass podcast, get yeah. a snowboard jacket actually because they're shell mm-hmm. and they're designed. Yep. And like yep. the whole idea behind that's what like, I have. Yeah, you're supposed to work out. So the typical snowboarder wears like a t-shirt, maybe some like Under Armour style thing, and then a mm-hmm. goddamn hoodie or a pullover. And then their jacket, and whenever you and you wear the jacket when you're outside, and when you go into like a lodge or a building, you strip down to that hoodie almost instantaneously, if not a layer down kind of thing. There's a bunch of pictures mm-hmm. out there of me in like snow pants and all of my snowboarding gear in a short sleeve shirt in like zero degree weather because I'm inside, just like my stack of my hoodie and my other stuff next to me because like that's how you layer correctly. Like it's the the snow yep. pants have like a ton of legit snowboarding pants look like they're like they're big fancy pants, but they have like air vents all over them the moment you do go inside mm-hmm. you just unzip all of them so you can start venting out that heat it's really weird but it's how you kind of stay safely regulated at that point like hell in yep. zero degree weather i would open up those vents if i started overheating like and it's like oh you're letting the heat out now i'm regulating myself i'm trying to find that like sweet spot of how like that kind of regulated comfortably uncomfortable because you'll never be warm enough to be happy but you can be comfortably warm enough. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, it's all about the layers for cold yeah. weather. I mean, even like, well, I'm used to that. A few places I've lived in have, have had some, they're not Minnesota level weather, but it's, you'll see a foot of snow well, on the ground. Minnesota or, gets or a couple snow. Of feet. Does, yeah, Minnesota's weird. It gets a lot of snow. It's not the worst winters, though. Like, New England gets, like, crazy ice storms and shit. Like, it's... Oh, yeah, yeah New England gets yeah, crazy ice storms, yeah. It's it's it, weird, because there's, like, true. three or four different types of winters across the U.S., and even more across the globe. But, like, yeah, just because you get a lot of snow doesn't mean your winter's actually, like, top-tier winter at that point. It just means you have top-tier snow. It's a, it's a weird yeah. kind of problem to have. Like, where I live in Japan had that type of snow, where it was just, like... Yeah, the, you get a few feet of it. It's beautiful, but it wasn't there. But it wasn't super cold ever. I d- mm. I rarely need. All right, so like when I walk to school, I walk to school because it made sense. I wore I'm not snow. Get pizza I wore apparently. I wore like a normal like suit, you know, a normal ass sort of like suit with a coat, jacket, you know, slacks and stuff with snow boots, and then my kind of. My the long jacket I was just talking about that with the nice goes really high and really low, so it covers my knees. So I'm covered head to toe, just not in that many layers. You know, so I would be walking to school A, which that's going to keep me more active. But B also it's like it's not that cold. So and I think I I kind of think Portland was similar to that. In it never got bitterly cold, but it got cold enough. Mm. Like colder than I like, I'll say that. Me and Jeff had a week of school cancel at one point. We had frostbite days happen. We were in high school, so. Oh yeah, neg- oh, wow. like far negatives. Yeah. Like it, it'll go because the storms, the wind makes it feel way fucking worse. Well, it, uh, so not not sure this is the Wicked Weather podcast, I guess, but to belabor this <laughs> one point, like is wind chill factor as big an issue in Portland as it is in kind of where I grew up? Because. That's the great moment of like, yeah, it's it's officially zero degrees outside. But when you add in the fact the wind is also blowing, it drops it down to actively negative twenty. 
I never felt like it was. What do you think, Alex? Um, I mean, wind chill definitely made it colder because we don't hit like zero degree sure. weather. But like it was saying outside that it was like twenty eight degrees, and then with wind chill, it said like the the real feel or whatever yeah. they call it was like twelve. Where I grew up, we had like it's like it's twenty. It feels like zero, and you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like it's. And I can explain that whole phenomenon where, like, it's it technically it's that temperature, but because the weather the air is moving across you, it's drawing more of your heat away from you being extra dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't never thought Portland got terribly windy. It depends. Like, if you're closer to the mountain area, you definitely True. get more wind. Yeah. Plus, the Columbia River is nearby, so like, you just kind of feel like you get more coldness from that area. Well, congrats but on yeah. surviving legit winter. Yeah, legit snow, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, my dumbass was uh, like, oh, uh, yeah, I'll be fine. Live and let learn. Uh, thankfully, you have these concerned friends that will give you the pro strats of how to do this. Um, <laughs> I, I, figured, I figured you guys would get a kick out of this story only oh, because, yeah. like... H- have you learned the proper way to store a snow shovel yet? Uh, no. Standing up next to your door. <laughs> you had it lying on the ground, idea. didn't you? It, my shovel was in the ground, lying on the ground in the backyard. God. And even then, if it wasn't, it was a bad idea anyway. Because I had a, I have this other thing that I do, like to just clean up in the backyard to sweep up there, and that was buried in the snow. So even though it was standing up against the wall of my house, I'm gonna go. I still s- couldn't get it out. I'm gonna go start a community college course here in Los Angeles called "So You Want to Move Someplace with Winter," and just like yell at <laughs> people these facts. It's like, like it's like, what's the test? It's how to properly store a snow shovel? Just one question. Where? How do you store a snow shovel? Uh, uh, on the ground? Wrong! Because you can't find it then. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, you, you store it vertical, leaning up against your house, right next to your front door. Yep. <laughs> yeah, not in your garage, because that means you have to go all the way into yeah. your garage and grab it and... No, you you keep it where you're going to be using it. The moment it's October 21st, that snow shovel comes out and leans up against your front door in that area. Maybe you store so. the other snow shovel in the garage, but that's for heavy, clear purposes only. Follow-up question. What type of snow shovel do you have, Alex? Is it the kind of typical square arc one, or is it the dumb shovel one? I have a normal shovel. I don't have a snow shovel. Oh. I need a minute. <laughs> I, I need a bit of guys. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Everyday gardening shovel. That's that's gonna be not super effective, <laughs> guys. I'm talking about a lot of upsetting things in the last couple minutes to me as a human being that grew up in winter. Uh, I, I didn't realize we could get worse, but um, congratulations, here we are. <laughs> You're welcome. I need to go pull a uh, walk harp and think about my entire <laughs> life up to this exact moment before I can do this podcast. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I am not a clever man. Uh, yeah, so uh, moving on for my own sake. <laughs> I also don't own a winter jacket. I had a poncho and my flannel shirt. I don't own, own any kind of jacket you right just, now. Just put, like, well, a we're saying is you don't necessarily need like a big puffy winter jacket. Yeah, like, did you at least put like a rain jacket on top of your warm clothing? No, it was just a poncho. How are you expecting to stay dry, you idiot? How are you expecting to stop the snow that landed on you from not melting into your clothing and thus making you colder? What was the logic here? 
Oh, I'll just put on the flannel shirt and the poncho. It'll be fine. It'll be like Red Dead Redemption. You know, in part two, when the opening mission, it's in the snow. I, I'm literally you speechless. You live in Portland? Do you have a raincoat? I'm, cu- I'm really curious now. Do you at least have a raincoat for Portland I, rain? Do you own, I don't. Do you own waterproof shoes of any kind? No. I have non-slip shoes for work. You need to move on. So I'm going to keep being angry at this. I'm going to yeah. pop a blood vessel. <laughs> Crocs. I have a pair of Crocs. Please tell me you haven't worn those out in the snow. No, I didn't wear those out in the snow. <gasps> Just imagine you've been the snow on the sides. into my shoes. Yeah, there are holes on the sides. The Crocs would be very uh, inefficient for that. Yeah, no, they also freeze and snap in half in extremely low temperatures. Yep. <laughs> Fun fact about rubber. If it gets cold enough, it becomes plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm so glad you uh, you enjoyed the story. I'm so glad I waited to tell the story. Played video games or anything? I oh, did. I played. Uh, I've been playing. Actually, uh, started playing Smash Brothers uh, oh. again recently. Oh, so I got why? that loaded up on the Nintendo. Oh, because uh, I just wanted to play there online or just and then local? Also, just local. Um, and then also, uh, I mean, obviously, wow. And Division 2. I've been kind of little casual on Division 2. I actually haven't jumped to the New York expansion yet, because I want to finish the other missions. Mm. But, yeah. Come play Outriders. We'll hang out. Party. (laughs) I'll probably load it up at some point. It's free, and I think that if you're all curious about this game, you should at least play it because then you'll get points for it at least. Whatever progress you have will carry over and they've hinted that like there will be some benefits to playing in this version of it. Gotcha. Yeah. Henry, please tell me you were smarter about weather and aren't going to anger me with dumb snow strats. Well, of course, I'm, I'm in LA, so yeah, I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, but, but also, Texas also said I that lived previously. In very cold, I lived in very cold well, places that at least get, you know, a foot or so of snow, they don't really dip, you know, they only dip into the maybe the 20s or 10s, but never, like, I'm talking Fahrenheit, of course. Uh, That's fair. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it never really, but I, yeah, I guess I grew up sort of knowing how to deal with both extremes, because a couple of places I've lived, like Texas, uh, like Oklahoma, especially, you get 105, 110 degree summers, then you get like 20 degree winters. <laughs> so, and ice and snow, like, yeah, ice in a meaningful way sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah, so pretty familiar with those things. But in any case, uh, I didn't watch anything new, but I watched, or rewatched some Daria, which. For me, that's like a time capsule for when I was literally in college. Like, it just graduated high school and going into college, and that show is pretty much a perfect little time capsule of what was going on at that time. It was a... It, the show went from nine, 1997 to 2002. And so it's right around the time when, like, the internet was starting to be a thing, and uh, it's... Uh, I like the show. It's still, it's very, very much of its time, but the humor stands up. It's, it's incredible. It's dry sarcasm is a lot of the humor in situational. So, yeah, there's a lot of it. Uh, the win- weird thing, though, is, 
So the initial run of Daria had all sorts of like music of the time, like brand new music of the time in the episodes. Like sometimes like the song had been out for days and they put it in the episode. Mm. And yeah, that was very intentional. It was, it's an MTV show, so and also very it, music is a yeah, I don't know, it was like the soundtrack to our lives. Yeah. But yeah, uh but that causes a well causes a big problem if you want to like release that show, you know, years later on DVD and Blu-ray. Can you think of why? Licensing. Yeah. Licensing. Yep. So it's so if you're watching the episodes like on DVD, there's this weird sort of Berenstain Bears thing, you know, going on where the music's been replaced. And it just feels weird. We know there's a Cranberry like, song here, but now it's the Cronberries, the off-brand affordable yeah. version of the same band. Oh yeah, some <laughs> of it is definitely like weirdly off-brand Muzak-style shit put into the episodes, and it just it feels wrong. The music was kind of a strong part of the episodes. There again, yeah. it's like, it's a time capsule. It's very much like, timely, this is exactly music when is- this happened. You watch the show. It's not trying to be timeless. Music is often a specific anchoring part of every show, of any show like that. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the re-uploading, if you will, of um, Married with Children on Netflix, I believe, has like all the Frank Sinatra music replaced with some sort of weird, like, Muzak. Huh. You can tell it's not the original. Oh, weird. Yeah. So it's like when they do the intro, which is like, it's an iconic intro for that, like, oh, show. Yeah. And it's not the same song. And I thought oh, it was God. going crazy. But yeah, no, it's it was replaced when they re-uploaded it on Netflix. Because, I, I mean, I guess they don't have the rights for it. But yeah. It they was initially so did for odd. the first run, but yeah. yeah. Not, I think not Hulu from- had that show with the right music. Hulu did, maybe? I don't know. I'll have to see if it's even on Hulu. I'm not sure but... I'm thinking of the same show, but... But yeah, it's like, in Daria, music is playing in the background for, I'd say, 90% of the episode, if not 100%. Yeah. There's music going on in the background. It's it's constant. And mm. so, that makes it the, the what, sometimes absence or replacement of music makes that really weirdly obvious. It's like... I literally, the show is 90%. There's music going on in the background while the characters are talking. Sure. It's almost always. Yeah. If you go back, if you find a show that, like, if you find it, I don't know, on, like, some streaming or some, you know, somebody uh, just uploaded a show or a clip and you watch it, and it's like, there's just, there's music going on, like, it, it, it just at all points. You know, there's no, there's rarely a point where they, where it's like, dead air and no and people are just talking so yeah i mean just all right changing the intro and outro songs would be one thing which uh that would not that especially for like buried with children i'd yeah. say that's very off-putting but for daria it's like really bizarre going and watching like a dvd version of it and it's like wow this feels weird it's, it's it still has the starting music. I guess that's what they managed to get the rights to. Like, mm. but, and they just play that over the end credits as well. Whereas they used to just play another song over the end credits. You know, another, you know, song of the time. 
But yeah, uh, but they they at least managed to keep the main theme song. I guess they were willing to pay the rights to at least that, but not like the you know hundreds of other songs. And then maybe different licensing at that point too. Where it's like, no, this is hundreds cut and stuff like that hypothetically. But holy crap, like hundreds of songs likely in that show. Easily hundreds of songs. Each episode sounds each episode four or five songs are playing. And there are five seasons. So, yeah. But, I don't know, I enjoyed it, but it's also because it kind of harkens back to a time when I was sort of becoming an adult. And that's kind of what the show is about as well. Just, yeah, it's a, it's a capsule of its time, but especially for me, it's like really a capsule of my time. I graduated in 97, so graduated high school in 97, yeah. and that's when the show started. But, yeah, um, outside of that, I did also play a video game. It's one of the many that I just keep getting off of uh, Epic Game Store when because they give away stuff all the time. And I played Bad North. You familiar with that? I think so. I'm trying to place it in my brain, though. I know I've heard of it. All right, so it's basically an RTS that has procedurally generated levels and leaders. And so each leader just has is it's it's not overly complex as an RTS. Each leader it starts with just generalized troops, and then you then you can turn them all into more specialized troops. There's three classes. There are archers, uh, pike, pikes, and infantry. Uh, the archers, of course, have the ranged attack. Infantry are balanced to have shields. And then the pikes are good at just standing in place, but they cannot attack while moving. So they're great to just kind of sit and wait for basically enemies to roll into them. They are extremely good. Pikes are extremely good at that. Uh, you want them, however, you might want uh, the the infantry in front of them because the infantry have shields, and if archers are there, that they're actually very effective against archers. So. Uh, the way the but the way the game it's real time strategy. Nice thing is if you hold down the space button or any time you like right click on a on a uh, unit or and then tell them to go somewhere. It also slows down time. So you, there's a couple. Of, uh, basically, there's a way. So it slows down time like almost to a standstill, but not quite. So you can allows you to give commands very quickly. I really like that. That is an awesome quality of life thing for any RTS. That should be in every RTS. But, of course, this one's not competitive, so, I mean, it can do that. You can slow down time for yourself while you while you decide where your troops are going to go and how to set them up. And so I found the game not terribly stressful to play, even though it's an RTS, because, yeah, there's the slow down time mechanic, and you can just do it indefinitely. There's no... There's no, like, sort of limit on it. And so what you do is you are in a set of islands, and essentially they're being invaded by Viking invaders. And you're trying to sort of go east and flee, and along the way you hop from island to island. And so you have to defend, if you hop to an island, you have to defend it first from invaders. And then if there's a leader there, they will join you as well. Uh, those islands that have leaders, they fight alongside you to begin with on that island. 
And if they manage to su- survive with their faction, then they uh, then they join your team. You can also replenish your team by going into houses mm. that on the island. So, but yeah, each leader only controls one little group. So it, there again, it's not overly complex. Uh, each group, like I said, you can specialize them into three classes. Each class also has one special ability. Like the archers can just rain down arrows uh, as a special ability, and the the pikesmen can charge. Which, like I said, they normally can't move and attack, but if they charge, they just basically put their spears forward and charge forward in a straight line for a few squares. Yeah. The infantry probably have the least useful special ability, which it's kind of cool. They can basically do a downstab leap from a high point onto <laughs> down onto like troops. That's kind of cool for infantry. Yeah. Like you don't expect anything for infantry. Yeah. Which is still kind of cool, but it's not always super useful. You don't always have a great high vantage point on a level on an island. But the yeah, the it's kind of simplified, and it you can slow down time so that you aren't just scrambling constantly, uh, in to move your troops over to the neck to deal with the next kind of group of invaders. Yeah, it, it's yeah procedurally generated islands, so. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to get as you go along, and as the Vikings take more and more, you can't go backwards. So they, they essentially the way you keep moving east, and so does the Viking invasion. And so it's it's really a story of of how long are you going to be able to survive, like hopping from island to island with your armies. They also you can there's turns, and if you have enough leaders, you can possibly do more than one island per turn uh to, and you can split your troops or split your leaders because they can only do one battle per turn wait so yeah, it's each, not an rts it's a turn-based strategy game no 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 i'm talking about the turns that for each island is considered a turn oh okay so when you get to the island then it's rts based yeah gotcha and then but yeah outside of that it's turns and yeah you can only go to an island, move to an island, and battle once per turn. But also, you don't want to leave your troops behind on an island that's going to get swallowed up by the Viking invasion. So, yeah, it's, it's a really fun game, actually. Uh, there again, it's a... If you lose a leader, you lose the leader. It's a, yeah, it's it's a rogue roguelite game, I guess. Yeah, if you lose your characters, you lose them, but... Fun game, though. Uh, I highly recommend it if you kind of like a little bit of RTS action with the idea of sort of procedurally generated levels as well as leaders. Oh yeah, also the leaders themselves can have an additional ability. Like, one of them, they just move faster. Their movement is twice the speed of anybody else's. There's another one that can use their special ability twice in a battle, which, that's really good, really powerful. So, yeah. The the game, yeah, it's a great little game. It's fun. I'm there again. I'm playing it because I, you know, I still don't have a video card, and probably not going to be buying one anytime soon because video card costs just like fucking doubled practically. Holy shit! Uh, but in any case, uh, there's plenty. Of, I have so many games that I can play that don't require any sort of video card 
uh, games I haven't even touched yet. There's a whole lot of free games that I've just, you know, picked up on the Epic Store, but never got around to actually playing, so I still have plenty of those, as well as I still haven't even touched the ridiculous amount of games I got for the social uh, social justice pack from itch.io. So, yeah, I have even a crap ton of games there, so, yeah, I'm in no shortage of games to play. Despite having a you know no meaningful video card, but eh, that's that's what I was up to. No other mm, remarkable adventures, I'd say. Well, I'm glad we're all doing well. I mean, you know, given you know everything that happened and you know yeah. all, all the stuff that's been going on, it's nice to see that everybody's doing well. I'm still relieved you didn't freeze to death, honestly, dude. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> so the more I'm thinking about your story, the more I'm like, I'm really glad Alex is here on the podcast right now. You did yeah. not die in a snow drift. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm glad you didn't get injured or something, or like, you know, yeah. I don't know, shit. Like, I did at one point when I was trying to get my car out of the driveway later in the week, slip and fall on my ass. But that's oh damn, that happen. sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mean, and it was it was great because there was some like. People in the neighborhood just outside, and so I'm sure they saw me just literally fucking eat it. And they're yeah. just like, "Welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome to what <laughs> literally everybody has done at least several times in Portland." Yeah, yes, ice yeah. is slippery as fuck, dude. I broke my ankle on a slip and fall once. Like, I'll, I'll give you shit for some of this stuff, but the slip and fall is because you're not expecting it. Like, it's it's a thing. Yeah, that oh, could yeah. fuck you up pretty bad. I'm glad that you. Didn't get seriously injured yeah. from that. No, it, it kills yeah. me. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, luckily, like I said, I once I realized I was going to hunker down. I was so glad I went grocery shopping mm. a few days before because yeah. I was hunkered down and I just made myself food and you know I, I I buy extra bags of dog food just in case. Mm. Like, oh, awesome. like, like yeah. I always double up my dog's dog food because like. A supply chain is a real thing with the dog food yeah, I buy. Shit happens, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it's you know, yeah, shit happens. So, I um, dumb question. I'm, I'm not trying to drag us back into the snow world for do a video game podcast to keep doing. Uh, no, electric stove. Hmm. Mm. Electric stove. Yeah. Most of the stuff in my house is electric, except Fun. for like, I mean, so my house also has a. Like, the AC unit, the furnace obviously uses gas, but, like, that's probably the only thing in my house that uses gas beyond the fireplace, mm. but... Oh, you have a fireplace, but that's good. Gas line. Yeah, but I disconnected the line for the fireplace. Gonna reconnect that with spring comes, huh? Yeah. Sure. Um, oh, there was another tidbit I forgot to tell oh, you about God. the snow stuff. So... Like with everything that happened to me, I have to say my I have a uh, I have a coworker and dude's great, but man, he has some horrible fucking luck. So he had because with the windstorm stuff, we had trees literally snapping, mm -hmm. from, like freezing and everything. So a big tree or a good chunk of it went through his roof and it broke his. Uh, well, I mean, it's obviously a smashed part of the roof of his house, yeah. but it also landed on the heat pump. And messed that up. So oh, even shit. when they got, even when they got yeah. their house like electricity, everything back up and running, it, the heat pump was done for. Like I was like, "Oh man, dude, are you gonna be all right?" And he's fine, but yeah, 
Yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, I lucked out. I definitely lucked out compared to like some other like other folks. Like I know, I know Mandy near her apartment complex and all that stuff. Like people abandoned their cars yeah, in the middle of the street the because it was pretty bad. That's if they. Yeah. yeah, I. I grew up in a place where people had like wood burning stoves, and I'm not gonna lie. Part of me, like in the last week or so, has been like, could I rig one of those up in my house safely? And I don't think the answer is yes, but I'm having a real hard time talking myself away from that too. It, yeah, it's <laughs> it doesn't really. I wouldn't say it gets cold enough to warrant that. <laughs> yes, but you could say the same things about Texas up until recently, and I, part of at least growing up where I grew up is when you see people get fucked the way a lot of other states did by this whole polar vortex thing. You prepare accordingly. Like it's it, it's not all oh, that'll never happen to us. Aspect it's the. That's happening next year to me right now, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I will say, like, the like Antelope Valley, like, you know, north of L.A., yeah. is usually pretty warm, it's nice, you know, it's deserty, but even they got some really yeah. gnarly oh, snow, snow a few years year. ago. We got snow this year. Yeah. It's, I, I think yeah. I took off the pot, it's snowed technically, like, I'm using the word technically didn't stick to the ground or anything, we had snow yeah. sometime the last month, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I I say I would definitely consider it, but like it, I, I, somebody somebody put it in a really interesting context. Um, Oregon has declared three states of emergency in the last twelve months. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> we had the obviously COVID. Then we had the fires that really fucked everything up for a while over here, and then we had the winter storm stuff. Yeah. So. Good run over here so far. Uh, yeah, that's a weird one for me. I'm not again. Somebody trying to decide snide for a second, but the number of times winter storms were declared emergencies where I grew up, it's like it happened like yearly, I guess. So that one, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's a fucking winter storm. It happens, but yeah, no, that's scary to think about. Video games news. Yeah, video, video games. games. God, I want to talk about snow so much. But we need to actually keep on video game podcasts. All right, so we have a lot of stuff to get through this week. Uh, a lot of kind of announcements happened. A lot of news and shifting happened. So we're gonna try and do this in a semi-organized fashion, which means we also got some catch up to get through, I guess too. Which means we're gonna start with Stadia of all things, because well, we've got a big chunk of things from Stadia World to talk about that. By their own, they don't make sense when you kind of bundle them up into the nice little mess that we've made for ourselves with Stadia. It's a whole thing that really makes you scratch your head some. So we kind of got a nice look this week at the collapse of Stadia. Kind of the, how would you phrase this correctly? The underpreparedness of Google to move into a more creative, less tech and business driven venture, I guess. And the look we got is, I don't want to say exactly what you'd expect, but it's exactly what I expected to learn out of this, I guess. Like, you two followed mm. the sum, I guess. What were your takeaways from it? Yeah, I mean, uh, go ahead. Henry followed yeah. it more. No, go ahead. You you followed it a lot more, Henry. This is kind of your your push here. Well, it is end up being pretty darn similar to Amazon's sort of dalliance with game development, which I guess they're still going to try, despite, you know, failing pretty hard. Art isn't necessarily a thing you can throw money at and just produce. Art art is weird, and video games are a medium for art. 
You know, even mm-hmm. if, even if it's a game that's not considered necessarily like high art, a lot of graphic artists and other types of creatives all worked on that game. I mean, even if it's you know, Gears of War or something, which isn't that necessarily an artistic masterpiece, but there's a lot of art in that game. Yeah, there's still a and, style to it and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, a good and point. it has a story too. I mean, yeah, there's style and story and everything and music. So you can't just necessarily throw money at that and expect it to work. Working with artists is always weird, and and pretty much a lot of the people involved with making games are artists. So I mean, that's the thing. It's like. Yeah, they they hired people in that they thought might be good, but they also left people in there, you know, they just moved some of their engineers, which obviously Google has some high-level engineers, and they moved some of them into their, you know, into Stadia games. Yeah, the... yeah, From a, like from a coding perspective, not the worst idea, but you gotta have no. something to balance out that code. Like an actual game. Smart yeah. direction. And, and they kind of they they brought in people from you know many different studios and stuff, but it's yeah I mean Google's used to engineering, just engineering that is very structured way, extremely structured way of doing things. I mean there's some uh, there's some fuzziness to it obviously, especially when you're developing kind of cutting edge technology like an AI AI you know different types of AI stuff you know which. Google is done. But yeah, uh, it's you can't you can't put the same type of regiment to making games like you know unless it's like a sports series where it's more about the d- technology than on the content. You know, for mm-hmm. like, you know, like you could like you can put out EA can put out a Madden every single fucking year. Because they're mainly just working on technology. They don't have to develop a storyline. They aren't necessarily developing a lot of music for the game. Yeah. They, they just fill the game with data <laughs> from the current year that they want to, you know, want to simulate. That's it. So that's a thing you can kind of make in a very regimented way. But you can't, if you're going for more creative projects, that's just not going to work. Well, even that's like, still a problem at that point, too. Like, there's a reason a new Madden comes out every year, and there are differences. There are... It's not just an iterative franchise as much as maybe you want it to be at this point. There are... You can point to that being the good Madden from that time period because the gameplay was better for some reason or something. Like, there are... We don't talk about it much, but there are, there are creative differences from Madden to Madden. It's still a football game at the end of the day. But there are like eras of that game where people are like, "Fuck yeah!" And there are eras of that game where people are like, "Oh God, why'd they do this?" Yeah, and so there again, like, all right, so according, and this is according to people who you know used to work there and now don't at at Stadia Games. The essentially Google tried to use engineering comparisons and and regimen and benchmarks to grade if a game was good by doing it, comparing it to like user experience or user design, which is a very different field that's in video games, but there's no number you can say that's like, there's not a way to measure fun in a game in a re- you know strictly regimented numbers way, like, this is 9.3 fun. 
<laughs> this is <laughs> this is two point five fun. You can't fucking do that. And they tried to do that by using enge- purely engineering terms. Essentially, they tried to over science art. They tried to over engineer art, and that's just not going to fucking work. So, well, for one thing, they went to a hiring freeze, and so they kind of like understaffed what their big expectations were like they didn't they didn't seem to want to and and this is a part of Google's culture way where they don't necessarily want to do things like everybody else does but you know what sometimes there are reasons why people do things a certain way there's there's reasoning behind it and sometimes it's just more efficient or just thoughtful of the type of process that has to happen and Google didn't respect that. They thought they could come in with their pure engineering and science to video game making, and that was never going to fucking work. Especially and a 150-person studio, that's not enough to make AAA games. That's not, that's not even fucking close. I mean, and that's what they wanted out of the studio, but they undermanned it because they thought, oh, we don't need as many people you know, we don't need as you know many people on the ground because we're going to science this thing out. We're going to make our video games into an engineering. Uh, sure, if you there, it only works if you're producing like Maddens every year. And I'm not knocking Madden here or any other sports game. It's just that they are based entirely on better technology, not on better content. The content mm. is just yearly. These is just the data for these, you know, they have to decide, but this is the data for these, for these athletes. And that's it. So, and you can't do that if you're trying to make work, you know, a game with a narrative. You know, Madden games don't have a narrative. They they don't need it. (laughs) Like soccer games don't need a narrative. They don't really need it. Whereas with, if you're making a narrative based game, you can't engineer it. You can't engineer fun. And you can't engineer art. That's not a fucking thing. And Google, you know, I, I suspect that's probably what happened at Amazon as well. We got less actual kind of, because Amazon still has held most of the people in there. They're just, uh, that is, they haven't, like, made major layoffs to their section. Whereas with Google, they did. They let go of the entire, the entire staff, so all those people could actually come out and tell, give interviews on, what was going on there. And that's what we got. It really, I'm reading this in a Wired article that really goes into great detail about it. But yeah, that was never going to fucking work. Not not the way Google's wanting, trying to do yeah. it. And I have my own sort of criticism of Google. I think their overly sort of approach, you know, over-engineering approach to a lot of things is just kind of like robotic well, at best. Let's get into that too, because I think like this... A lot more of the Stadia news we have is kind of indicative of the way you develop for tech, which is kind of over-promised, then when you deliver something, eventually you get to build to that, but like, there's a, what's it, there's a lawsuit going on right now? A class action lawsuit about the fact that Stadia still doesn't technically have 4K. It just upscales. Yeah. And on paper, it's like, oh, it's not, it's like, who cares? But like, no. If you're selling, and this is where it gets kind of weird, like in tech spaces, you get to kind of under-deliver, but as long as you deliver something that gets you most of the way there, you're probably okay. The video game crowd, eh, not so much. 
We're kind of known to hold well, grudges and be petty about stuff like that. Well, when something's actually, like, technically provable or not, like, is this at 4K yeah. or is it not? That's a thing that's kind of, like, very clear. It's not like you're alleging that this game wasn't fun. You're alleging there is a technical promise here that they did not deliver. Yeah, and that just shows that, I don't know, it's like, all over the board, Stadia's been not managed correctly. Yeah, we- Google wants to do things Google's way and not give a shit on, hey, you know what, the way some things work is, you know, every studio, every game studio is slightly different, but they have a lot of fucking similarities, I'll tell you that, on the way that they kind of deal with things, and the sort of, like, that's why... I rail against these sort of hard deadlines like, this game will be coming out on March 25th. It's like, I hope you plan that out well, because the creative process doesn't always have, usually doesn't have fucking hard deadlines on it. So, but yeah. um, yeah. It's almost like video games are actually kind of hard to make. And harder to make than purely technical engineering yeah. marvels. And look, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You had the uh, Terraria stuff that they got locked out of that. That's now been reversed, and Terraria is coming to the platform. But you had this whole time period where it sure looked like something that was announced so that the platform wasn't coming because of what you'd assume is a pretty basic technical glitch of some kind. Yeah. Uh yeah, another thing that happened is, like, you know, after the developers let go, they weren't able to fix one of the fucking games yeah. that they actually did. Uh, they finally did put out a patch to it. I'm not even sure how they fucking managed that, but... Yeah, the game in particular... The game in particular is... Uh, uh, Journey to the Savage Planet. And, yeah, they they couldn't... Yeah, so, and this was really bad because this is a studio they bought, Typhon Studios, and then they fired the entire studio, along with, you know, everybody else that was connected with Stadia Games. So, yeah, uh, they were finally able to do it somehow. I guess they rounded up some devs that just, like, to pour over the code and try to, you know, figure out a patch. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, um... You know, I don't think it's covering all the problems. It's covering at least a few of them. In no, the yeah, menu. it's. I'm, I'm not sure it's the exact same thing, but uh, the, the Sunken City game we've talked about a couple times. I've got delisted and relisted. It's back on Steam finally, but then also like Frog, uh, the people that made, it, I think it's Frogware, whoever made that thing, got out there and like said, "Hey, the version you can buy on digital storefronts right now, that's not our game. That was put back up by the publishers, I guess technically. Yep. They've like actively been like, "Don't oh. buy that game. Like we're not supporting it." FYI. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's it's not the exact same situation, but yeah, like once the game's out there, there are other ways to support it than having the company that you know made that game involved. Lots but yeah, like it's. That. But yeah, it's just a, a, a typical case of trying to buy your way into a, in an industry. Amazon tried it. Apparently, they're going to keep trying. I guess I'm not sure if they've learned any lessons. They've shifted uh, up some, but we'll see. I guess we'll talk about Amazon we'll in see. a couple minutes too. But yeah, it's. I think it's the same thing. They as an engineering firm, where there again, Amazon like engineering has done some real, you know, programming marvels. I mean, with their servers, especially, essentially, and uh, and yeah, Google's the same thing. But it's like you can't necessarily just buy your way into video games. It's 
it's not just engineering and you can't measure it and deal with it in a way that's like engineering. You have to allow for this is also an artistic endeavor. And that's what I really try to stress. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I now seeing the interviews of why Stadia games like like fell into ruin is now I'm like, yep, yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect fucking sense. Today yeah. are we surprised? <laughs> no, no, we're not. I guess before we move on from our Stadia stuff to wider and broader topics. You know those games have come to Stadia? Apparently they've just been pouring money into making that happen and for this with cyberpunk and a variety of other games out there where like it's it should be the pc skew of the game but it is it's basically a whole other development platform so as part of kind of this weird upswell of stadia news apparently stadia blew millions of bucks to secure some of these ports and not like just a, a couple million like a lot of millions on some very tens specific of games. millions yeah they're saying like Red Dead Redemption 2 and other major ones, but yeah. Well done. For just supports. Yeah. That's uh business doing business I don't know. things. Yeah. Yep. It's not a great look. It is not at all. Shit. I didn't realize it was that bad. I, <laughs> I think I I think I'm following Stadia at this point, so I find the whole concept just mesmerizing. Like I've it's one thing for something to fail like this, especially a Google thing to fail like this. We've seen Google stuff in our lifetimes go sideways on this kind of cut it off. But I think like this is this people got into for better or worse. It's been very public in certain circles and people are really picking this one apart as we keep going, I guess. Like you can see the whale get kind of eaten alive by the sharks in real time on this one. rapid fire round of things where we dive back into one of our larger things to cover, which we'll jump to BlizzCon in a couple minutes, but before we get to BlizzCon, I want to talk about a game that's very near and dear to the uh, the lore, I guess you will, of the Wicked Awesome cast. That's the fantastic game Republic Commando, maybe one of the greatest Star Wars games ever made, and we're talking about it because it's now officially been announced. It's coming for no discernible reason, really, to the PS4 and the Switch. Not an up-res, not a dramatically improved game or anything, but fuck yeah, you can play Republic Commando soon. On the PS4 and the Switch. A game from 2005. Yeah, I was going to say, that's okay. Still available <laughs> on PC and I guess Xbox by this measure. The PS4 version will work on the PS5. So, yeah. I I, I tragically hope this is that they're bringing back the Republic Commando franchise because that was a cool-ass game for cool-ass people. But we'll see. I can only hope. I liked that game. I reinstalled it this week. I haven't gotten around to playing it yet. Mistakes from the <laughs> Now that we've done a quick burn, let's talk about BlizzCon, I guess. Uh, Alex, our resident kind of Blizzard expert, we're going to be referring to you as a big chunk of this. I, I, I guess, like, for, did you watch BlizzCon this year? Was this finally the year you didn't watch BlizzCon? No, I watched it. I general reactions to it like i didn't sit down and watch it this year i kind of caught the snippets and the announcements uh, obviously it was digital this year so there wasn't kind of the big con drama that comes out of these things no infamous do you not own phone moments or anything along those lines uh how was the BlizzCon? it just kind of felt like one big patch announcement like 
Like, I, okay, so I guess I should clarify. On the WoW side of things, it very much felt like a, hey, we've got a patch coming out announcement. Which is, like, fine, because normally they would announce expansions in, you know, BlizzCon. But sometimes they do announce some patch update stuff, which is fine. I mean, obviously the big the big ones were, like, the, the announcement for Diablo uh, 4 stuff, where they had some updates for the new class. They had the Blizzard arc. I guess we can go down. You want to just kind of go down the whole the list, I guess. Yeah, here? sure. Why not? So, yeah. so I actually want to bring this one up here because I thought it was really funny. But the Blizzard Arcade okay. collection, so which I thought was kind of neat. Like they have lost. You can basically. It's, I think it's four games. It's because I, I have it. So it's Lost Vikings, Rock and Roll Racing, Blackthorn, and I think there's one more. Um, but they're basically remastered versions of the games, which is kind of neat. But uh, don't think you can just start streaming these games, especially Rock and Roll Racing. Or, do you remember Rock and Roll Racing I at do, all? I do, and I think of why maybe you can't stream Rock and Roll Racing. That whole game is full of fucking music yeah. that's fucking DMCA protected. Like, <laughs> like, I booted the game up and got into a first race. I'm like, oh, yikes, you can't stream this shit at all. So It's like half the point that, of that, that game is licensed music. Yeah. Every level was like, oh, I can't listen to this, or I can't play this while streaming, so yeah, that's a... We're, we're, <laughs> that we're not saying a, games should be that, made for streamers, but I suspect the most people that care about that game are streamers. Yeah. So, it was pretty cool, they revealed the trailer, and obviously, like, it's nice that they acknowledge some of the throwbacks, because I, I'm a huge fan of rock and roll racing growing up, so... Oh yeah, it's three games, actually, I'm sorry, yeah, so it's rock and roll racing, Lost Vikings, and Blackthorn. Um, I thought it was four for some reason. But yeah, um, I really liked Rock and Roll Racing as a kid back in the day. And like having them have some cool remastered looking stuff is pretty sweet. But um, yeah, you can't. <laughs> it's not happening. So that's the that's the Blizzard Arcade. Okay, so reveal. given Blizzard's history with uh, re-releases, revamps, whatever the right phrase is, like, is this the next um, Warcraft 3 Reforged? <laughs> no, actually, it actually looks. Um, it actually looks. Fair. It, it looks like it's fine. Like it's. It's actually not bad. Always when you want so to hear just, about a game, it's, so it's fine. Just, instead of instead of remakes, it's just straight up like they're just re-releasing the games. Essentially, it's got some other stuff. Okay. Like yeah, it's got a save also, function for Lost Vikings and like a rewind. It, 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 they did a little bit of work on this, at least it seems. Yeah. No, there's there's definitely. I didn't some, touch it like, enough to fuck it up. Pretty much, yeah. So, wow, we have such low bars for fucking Blizzard here. We really do. Yeah, low bars for most gaming places yeah. in general now, let's be honest. <laughs> I but. don't. I, there's some there's some there's some game companies that I that I think are pretty fucking good. Yeah. Well, I mean for definitely for Blizzard, we're definitely aiming low here. So Especially on the re-releases. Um So there is um let's see. So we had also the World of I guess we'll go into that. World of Warcraft Shadowlands. They had the new Chains of Domination update, which I am like kinda of, I'm pretty excited for actually, because I uh I, I, I kinda like where the story's going with the patch currently and I'm enjoying it. So. I'm digging the fact this the main is, like what human leader got turned into a death knight. That's kinda neat. Yeah, he got Arthas, yeah. if you will. If you haven't seen it, yeah, it's basically Prince Anduin. Uh which is interesting because, like, the dude has very strong connections with the light. So watching his whole tr- being basically subjected to or being turned into a puppet, essentially, 
that his power is really interesting. So, um, but yeah, so there's a while, you know, Shadowlands update coming out, cool new patch, new content. Okay, you gotta talk this, about the cross faction yeah. rumors as part of this. So yeah, that's one of the big things. So one of the biggest things that's been addressed before or brought up a lot is the fact that there's a huge raid imbalance in terms of the factions. Like the the so the Hall of Fame uh for every tier is the first one hundred guilds on each side of like Horde and then on Alliance sure. side. The Horde one always closes weeks before the Alliance one does. Um so like as of right now Way more Horde players have killed uh, Mythic Sire Denathrius than Alliance guilds have. Oh, what's so, the takeaway from this should be is that the more hardcore playing community is the Horde side, which I think has yes. always been the case. Like Alliance was always viewed as the cushy, casual. No, side, wasn't not not before. Um, I believe back in the day, like Method and some of those guys were all Alliance huh. players. Like it is very much a what's it called? It's very much a a. a Kind of a big barrier thing, but like here, I'll give you an example here. So as of right now, the the mythic Siren Athreus for Horde is closed, so that's that's all done. Sure. Um and yeah, so at least I'm looking here There's slots. Like that's just I don't have to get the exact number, but there's it, at this yeah. late at this weirdly late point in time to be doing a raid first kind of run type of thing, there's still slots open. Yeah, so like for Horde, I, I got the numbers here. So it's like 253 guilds have killed, or at least, yeah, a good chunk have killed on the Horde side. The Alliance side, it's way less. Mm. You're looking at maybe, yeah, it, it's way less. Like I had to scroll four or five pages for the Horde one, and on the Alliance, I only had to scroll twice. <laughs> so it's. Yeah, it, it, it's a huge, big balance issue. But mainly, you know, a lot of players have switched to Horde just because they prefer to play Horde. Yeah, I, but... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Like, back when I was playing, which was before, like, there was this real, and this was kind of like, and it stuck with the game, I think some of them were fanning it at the time, there was a real divide. Like, you knew when you met someone if they played WoW almost instantaneously if they were a Horde player in Alliance, but there were very few surprises. Like, oh, I play Alliance. You're like, really? I didn't. I didn't think you were that type of person. And I, <laughs> I wish I was kidding, kind of thing. Like the at least the the, the crowds I ran with that played WoW. If you found out, like you knew with almost a hundred percent accuracy who played what side of that coin. And if you were wrong, you were like, "Huh? Why?" It very rapidly became a like, "So, uh, which of the alliance races is your fetish?" Okay, that makes sense. Like it was a very specific. Like, okay, were you not comfortable not playing a human? Like. Yeah, it was a very strange set of conversations to be had, and either it was I wanted to play a paladin, or the other stuff, and that, and then Burning Crusade happened, and those excuses got worse. So I've always assumed that like the Horde side's always been bigger, I guess, guess because it seemed to kind of skew more towards the RPN crowd and the harder core crowd, I suppose. But you're saying that's Ooh. not true, but that was my understanding at least back in ye olden days. Hmm. But yeah, so I guess with with that, the thing is, we've recently had, um, they had stuff where you could queue up as like a mercenary and PvP with the alliance or PvP with the horde as the other faction. You just took on the appearance of a 
you know, that, that character, if you will. If, like, if I was a horde, I'm a horde player, so if I queued up as a mercenary, I could queue up as alliance. And I would have the appearance of an alliance character, but I would have, you know, I'd be horde still, so. Um, I guess the, mm. the reason I bring that up is because they introduced that in BFA, um, but now they're talking about potentially making cross-faction raiding a possibility so that you're not limited to only your faction, if you will, which would make things a lot easier because you'd you'd make it available for players who are really good on the Alliance side to potentially find more groups to play with kind of thing, so... And I'd also say, like, Battle for Azeroth was weird, but, like, from a lore perspective, the game, at least from a ratings standpoint, it really wasn't faction versus faction. It was, we need to kill this big thing now. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I know it's talked about every expansion. Like, is this the final the expansion? They get a, they do away with the factions, but definitely at least seems from a population health how people are playing that game. Like, do you think the conversation of do we just merge the two sides finally is on the table, maybe? Yeah, I don't know if they'd go that far, but it is a possibility. I mean, now that they've talked about it, I mean, look at Final. I mean, if you look at a game like Final yeah. Fantasy XIV, you know, they uh, it is very much a a thing with like it's kind of a dated system now. Yeah, like, well, Final Fantasy XIV has everyone on the same yeah. faction. Yeah, I think it's you know, I, I I don't know. Like, I kind of in a certain sense, if you're going to have factions, I think you should have more than two. Um. Which but in would any, be interesting. Which, but in any case, I also feel that like WoW has never really utilized the fact that there are factions very often. I mean, there's sure there's like individual PvP, but you don't have horde. You know, like you don't have raid versus raid, as far as I know, right? Yeah. No, you don't have raid versus raid right like now. Like they, 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 st- they, uh, they've never done that. Like, yeah, I don't the know conflict in that thing has always been just kind of world PvP, which you could just open it up EverQuest style. Which people and that's wanted. just not that's just yeah. not a meaningful reason to have factions. I mean, I think it would make sense to have factions if there was like raid versus raid. That would be really fucking interesting. By the way, guild versus guild, yeah. Guild versus guild, right? You know, like that would be really fucking interesting. But yeah, there's almost nothing they compete in. I mean, at least even raid versus raid, there's not really a competition here. And that's what I would expect to have if you have factions. At least, at the very least, like in uh, shit in Terra, there are factional battles. Mm. And there, yeah, I think like Guild Wars Two had a thing where you would have two big massive raids against each other. Kind of thing. Yeah, I don't, Is that what you're referring to? But also, didn't lock you out of playing with yeah. each other either. Like we still were. Yeah, yeah. People are doing that. But like, yeah, yeah in in Terra, it's just uh, by uh, guilds basically, um, and there's you're kind of competing with other guilds, and that's. Uh, but there's yeah, WoW has never ever ever and still hasn't I guess utilized the fact that there are factions. So it's like. Why the fuck even bother having two factions if there's no competition between them? Like, there's no, yeah. no, none. Like, zero. It, like, other than PvP, but it's like, there's PvP in, like, every, Terra has PvP. I'm fucking terrible yeah. at it, but it has one-on-one PvP, but it has no factions in the sense of the Hoyo Horde and Alliance. And there again, it's like, 
If you're going to have factions, I think they should, if you had more than two, that would also be more interesting, but they've never even utilized the two that they have. So why the fuck even have them? There's no meaningful difference at this well, point. It's, it's Especially since they keep, well, and they keep introducing threats that threaten everybody anyway, yeah. so it's like, what's the fucking point? No, I was going to say, like, it's like, at least in like Vanilla and Burning Crusade, the divisions made sense? Like, they were very actively in the and then Shadow, and then, uh, what's it called? The Frozen Throne happened, and it's been, we're going after the same thing, for the most part. They've had some deviances over that time, but narratively, they've kind of had the same story of, oh god, the world is ending, we need to stave that shit off as best we can. So, I don't, I don't know what the solution here is moving forward. I would, I would, if I was them, I would just, like, dissolve the difference I think you can keep it, just let people play together at that point. Yeah, I think that's an act. Yeah, okay, yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that that yeah. would be, yeah, that'd be, I think that'd be a great solution. Just allow anybody to work with anybody. Because at this point, it hasn't mattered for a while yeah. now. No. It's, yeah, and, and it's never they, mattered in any meaningful way. And even when they tried to do it with, like, BFA and having the faction war be a huge deal, like, it just kind of felt very ham-fisted. It's like, we've, we've fought galactic beings and other realms and stuff at this point. Are we still trying to fight with each other? It just feels... It just feels... Petty? Like, forced. <laughs> it, yeah, it feels forced in the grand scheme of things. Like, we're literally fighting to... Like, right, we're literally in the afterworld of Azur... Like, of, of basically World of Warcraft in the Shadowlands fighting against this guy who's just potentially trying to destroy all of everything in existence, and we're still going to have a feud with each other? Like, it's it's really beyond point. Like, at this point, oh, it's, it's just... The, it it's the pinnacle of, like, okay, uh, do you want to fight the Dreadlord? We also want to fight the Dreadlord. Cool, we can, we can hang out until we do that. After that, it gets complicated. Yeah. And it just kind of feels kind of... Eh, at this point, I guess. So... Um, but yeah, it was it was a pretty cool little trailer. Um, but yeah, we'll see where it goes. And that's Shadowlands. I think we've talked way more about Shadowlands than I was or expecting probably to. needed to. Yeah, yeah. But on the World of Warcraft train, uh, they've officially announced that they're bringing back the Burning I Crusade so in a World of Warcraft trailer. Classic BC. I am so unbelievably <laughs> mad at this trailer. Like, I this was a golden opportunity for them to make the greatest World of Warcraft Classic trailer possible, which would have just been re-release that same cinematic from Burning, the did for Burning Crusade, and change the final voice dialogue from you are not prepared to you are not prepared again or something like that. Like, just like give me the exact same fucking thing, that amazing initial teaser they put out with a slight alteration. I'd have been way more positive, but no, we got this, like, it's back, as you remember it. I'm like, I remember Burning Crusade being kind of shitty in some ways. Like, no, no, give me that same yeah. you are not prepared moment. Just let me have that, you fuckers. Please. Yeah. So, but yes, it's very much this is a. They've real. They're announced that they're going to release it. Um, there are some caveats with it, of course. Um, you can either A, start a new character, and I think you get a free level boost yeah. to 58 so that you're starting in the Burning Crusade, or. Um, if you like classic, you can stay in the classic world forever. They're going to keep classic only servers. You can choose to also migrate your current classic character into the Burning Crusade classic server. 
Now, the thing is, that would be kind of cool if you don't think about how people have crazily um, farmed gold like crazy, essentially. Like, and I say it's crazy because they're they're hitting gold cap when that wasn't really a thing back in the day. The technology um, has improved. Yeah, but you also have people who very much min max the this world now. Like, there is a whole new level of min maxing in classic. I never thought was yeah, a thing. It's it was, um, but... but like, no, not at the level that, like, I... So, I know a guy who was in a pretty hardcore build... We've had time to refine that process into a nightmare. Yeah. So, it's like, they know, like, if, if there are way more optimizations for things, and, like, I had told him, like, oh, yeah, I might bring my rogue along to play with you guys. He's like, we won't eat rogues until the last tier. They're useless before yeah. that. And it's like, what? He's like, yeah, no, it's way better to have warlocks, mages, and this Yeah, this and is that. the warlock expansion. This is the Burning Crusaders when warlocks showed up, and we're like, yeah, it's real cool you other classes exist, but uh not important. Yeah. So uh yeah, that's a thing. So um So I guess like it's gonna be out predictions now. Do you think they run classic up to uh, up to what's it, Wrath of the Lich King or whatever it was and stop? Like that's I think that's where you stop this whole train. Uh, probably. I mean, it depends on how much, because, like, before before this became announced and this was yeah. a thing, there were surveys that were going out to people asking, hey, if there was a Burning Crusade classic, would you play it? Like, kind of thing. And I'm guessing, based off the feedback they got off of that, they're, they're, they're gonna kind of push And that's what it. I'm saying. I guess, Which, like, you could get me to go back to World of Warcraft if you said, okay, we're giving you servers where you can play through... All of the stuff it was as it was meant to be, and it ends at Wrath of the Lich King. Like the for a lot of us, the end of World of Warcraft, as far as we were concerned. So it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. They're planning on releasing it this year. Is their push? I don't. They didn't say when, but they said twenty twenty one. So it's gonna be out this something? year. Well, yeah, they're at the end gotcha. of the content for Classic at this point. They literally like yeah, they've reached the That's end. Time, yeah. So. That being said, if there is ever a Wrath of the Lich King, I am very tempted to just flat out quit retail and play Wrath. Yeah, I, I would play I, Wrath. I think that's the concern, is like once that happens, you have put a lot of people in a situation where it's the best version of World of Warcraft at that point. Like I, I know there's been improvements made since then, but that is, there's a reason a lot of people like me did that, and we were like, okay, cool, I'm out. So I I I'm definitely gonna play Burning Crusade. Probably not at the level that uh I I think I might, but Wrath? Yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah, Wrath is cool. In a heartbeat, yes. So um yeah, that's where I'm at with Wrath. So we'll see. Uh but that's announced. Then there was some other stuff talking about Hearthstone, where they have a new expansion coming out. If you still play Hearthstone, good for you. I don't give a shit about Hearthstone, so I'm gonna move on from that. It exists. Um, yeah. Uh, the Rogue. They've announced yeah, a new we got, class we got some for Diablo, Diablo updates. We saw some ears getting cut off or whatever. Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't know if anybody caught the reference to the ears in Diablo. It used to be currency. Does anybody? Yeah, I, I, not currency, but like, so in Diablo 2 in PvP, sorry, yeah, I used to, when I, you I kill say somebody, it used to be the PvE. When you killed someone in PvP, you took their ears and you could trade them. It was kind of like a weird, like, I have all these fucking ears of people I've killed. Ha ha! Yep. That's <laughs> kind of off. Diablo 2 was a strange yeah. time in video games. It absolutely was. Yeah. 
But yeah, Diablo 2, when you kill someone, you took their ears. So the rogue kind of making a play with like presenting ears of people they killed was kind That's of, kind of right nice. There. Shoot that yeah, ear that currency that- <laughs> right into my fucking veins, Diablo. I will say it was interesting because I had actually told, like, when I was, I was watching it with some guildies, and they're like, oh, man, they did a reference to the ears. And they're like, what do you mean with the ears? And then I had to explain, oh, well, back in the day when you killed someone in PvP, they dropped ears as part of it. So, and they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, that makes me the fucking boomer in this guild right now, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah. No, everybody in my guild is yeah, younger. So. Diablo 4 coming along, but, though, too. Like, it's. We've now, what, confirmed. Barbarian, rogue, mage? I think they did mage. Um, Rogue's new, right? I remember rogue so, being a thing. Was it? It's yeah. not. It's it. I will say, based off, based off the way it's playing, it feels like a combination of some Amazon and assassin from Diablo 2. And maybe two. that shadow hunter from 3, which was cool, but definitely felt out of place. Demon hunter, yeah. whatever the fuck it was called. Yeah, so it looks like right now we have, like, for our character classes, we have Barbarians, Druids, and the Sorceress. And then the Rogue is the fourth yeah, one. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. If they wanted to go to kind of like an approach where it's nature magic, arcane magic, fighty class, stealthy class, and I'm not sure what the fifth one would be, and, like, the Necromancer is, like, a path within Sorceress or Sorcerer or kind of arcane magic, that's a better way of playing Diablo, I think, at that point, as opposed to, like, a new character for everything. I don't think they'd ever do... A, the nec- they've, they've already associated the Necromancer and the Sorceress as two different yeah. classes entirely, so it just doesn't feel like I, it. I come like, from the D&D this, world where it's like, oh, wizards are just wizards, and necromancers were technically wizards. They treat them very much separately. Yeah, I know. I, I wish they wouldn't occasionally. Well, like if you if you somehow merge, so, like okay, yeah, a spec like uh, you you have like barbarian that can become like a knight, a crusader, or like the barbarian at that point, based off the same base character. I would find that highly interesting, but I don't think they're going to do that. It'd be like in um, was it Final Fantasy Eleven where you started off as a warrior, but you could you could like uh, expansive yeah. class and go into either like paladin. Yeah. Or Berserker or something. I wish like more that, MMOs yeah. did stuff like that, or just games in general where it's like, oh no, like keep it fucking simple. Let me go like, okay, do I like stealth combat? Do I like ranged combat? Do I want magic or do I want to hit shit? And then from there, let me spec- uh, specialize. So, um, but yeah, so there's a new rogue class. The trailer was pretty sick. I enjoyed it. Yep. And then, of course, on the Diablo train, they have announced Diablo 2 Resurrected as a. Um, what's it called? It as a release so, thing. So it's not a re-release. It's a it's not a reimagining either. A so it's a remaster. Yeah. It's a it's a remaster, if you will. But it's interesting because so one of the things that I kind of caught my eye was that not only is it a remaster, but it's cross-platform progression, and it's coming uh, to consoles. And it's coming to consoles. So you can play it on console, save, and then switch on over to your PC, yeah. and it, your, your progression is still there. That eventually so, came to Diablo 3, right? Uh, no, oh, I don't right. think so. You're right, yeah. But, yes, so this is very much a thing. Um, and I guess one of the things they talked about during the... the um, one of the things they talked about during the, the, the event, when they talked about Diablo 2 Resurrected, was they were going to keep the a lot of the stuff... 
original. They aren't going to shut down original Diablo 2 kind of thing. That's still going to be a thing because one of the big problems with like Warcraft 3 or 4 was they shut down all the original server stuff and forced you to remaster, which broke a lot of stuff from back in the day anyway. They're going to try to keep more true to it, but we'll see how it goes because obviously saying one thing, like saying, oh, we're remastering all the cinematics and then... <laughs> fucking Warcraft 3 Reforged came out and it was dog shit, so... We will see, but I think maybe they learned their mistakes from that, because I believe it's still the lowest rated game on the... What is it? User reviews uh, thing? Metacritic, or yeah. Metacritic, there you go. So... Yeah, I... Yeah! I, I guess, like, I'm not sure how close you followed this or either of you did. There's been a lot of weird talk around this thing that's pissed me off. There's been some interviews about, like, oh, we're trying to maintain that... Diablo 2 thing, or that vibe, or that feel. I'm like, okay. And then they go on to say stuff like, yeah, we understand modern players would expect like a waypoint on the map to help them navigate, but that didn't feel like Diablo 2, so we're not doing it. And I get what they're saying, but at least to me that comes off as, we couldn't do that, or we didn't want to put more effort in to make that happen, because that would, we're writing it off as, we're not trying to violate the Diablo 2-ness of it, it's the... I feel like you could just have that be a thing that gets turned off with your classic versus not classic slider you talked about having. And I think people would like that universally, because there's certain parts of Diablo 2 that have not aged well from a gameplay perspective. Are barbarians still going to be the most fucking broken-ass class in that game possible? You gotta balance it at all? Eh, we'll see. I mean, it varied. Each of the classes had their own kind of special... No, in PvP, whatnot, so. Amazon and Barbarian were the most broken-ass pieces of shit forever because of how that game worked. In, like, narrative stuff, it was fine. didn't really matter that much, but... Yeah. But yeah, so that's the, uh... We'll see, because, I mean, it's kind of a weird angle, and, and and I guess, bear with me on this one here. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the point you brought up about the waypoints, we could add that, but we're not going to kind of thing. When you do that, you sure, it makes some casual players happy, but the people who are going to buy it for nostalgia, which is probably going to be a bigger size crowd, are going to get pissed about yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's... And they're going to be like, that's not the way it yeah, was! Yeah, I think also at that point, gonna, like, I think it, I remember Diablo 2 very well. I remember it being frustrated, I remember it being a pain in the ass to play at certain points in time, like, and it, if you're going to put the work into remastering it some... And you're gonna still have a like classic versus not classic mode button you can press to swap between the two. Fucking put waypoints in that game. No one's gonna fight you on that mm. one. Like if they don't want it, they can ignore it or they can mm. turn it off in some setting. Probably like it's. I get it, but also I'm calling bullshit. Like that. That's that just feels like low effort cash grab at that point. Where yeah, you're, you're right. The, the hardcore crowd's gonna like that, but also the hardcore crowd's still fucking playing Diablo two, and they're gonna have other problems with this game. I guarantee. <laughs> Like, there's no way this game actually makes the hardcore Diablo 2 crowd happy, and the nostalgia-driven crowd's gonna be like, oh yeah, it's Diablo 2! Hey, I'll have to go to a fucking world atlas to find the location of this thing I have to go to. Thank God! <laughs> I got a kid to feed in two hours, I can play some Diablo till then, and not be like, okay, what part of this map am I going to again? Like, I'm not saying, like, give me a glowing trail to follow, just maybe drop some stuff where it's like, oh, that's where I'm going. Neat! I don't know, though. I'm not a hardcore Diablo fan. I fucking hated Diablo 2 a little bit. Not for the game, but because my friends wouldn't shut the fuck up about it when I was growing up, and I didn't think it was worth it. 
I'm not playing Diablo 2. Why? I don't like Diablo 2. Why not? I find the combat kind of bad and repetitive, and I've played the story, and it's fine. You gotta get in the PvP. No, I don't. I got these bugged swords. Yeah, that's good for you. Any SOJs? I don't care. Stop talking to me about this. Why are you still playing StarCraft? Because I like StarCraft. <laughs> Pettiness aside, congratulations, Diablo 2 fans. You have a re-release coming your way. Hopefully it's better than Reforged is. But also, yeah, maybe start tempering your expectations? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Beyond that, they didn't have an Overwatch o- thing in the opener, but they did have some what's next stuff. Yeah, they so showed off some Overwatch. Maybe a few things about they Overwatch. They off some Overwatch 2, right? Um, yeah, Overwatch 2 was a thing, but they didn't really do any, like, so the opening ceremony didn't have anything on Overwatch at all. The big thing was the Blizzard Arcade, the Shadowlands stuff, the Burning Crusade Classic, the Hearthstone, the Rogue, and then that was How it. is Overwatch doing these days? I'm not saying it's, like, dying, but it definitely feels I mean, like it's less public spectacle, or, like, like, people are kind of moving on from that in a slow manner. Oh, the problem with the game is, with, like, most games, is it hasn't really evolved much. Like, it's... It's weird. Like, I still play it, because I have friends who play it, and it's one of the games that, like... Yeah, we have fun with, like, friends, but, like, I sure shit don't go into ranked by myself anymore, because climbing climbing out of ELO hell is just fucking dog shit, and I refuse to do it. Plus, they nerfed the character I fucking love playing a lot to the ground, that she's useless regardless. So... Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's still a thing. I think people are more waiting for Overwatch Two at this mm. point because they're gonna have PVE stuff you can do. But I don't know. That we'll PVE the doesn't that they look were great. Free- I'm not. I'm gonna throw that one out here right now. I'm inclined to agree with you. This kind of feels like they're tacking on PVE. Feels like um, a horde mode they're putting story into, which I got nothing objections to. But it's not a PVE mode at that point. It's just a mode. So. Um, but yeah, beyond that, like, we'll see where it goes. It's going to be very much a interesting kind of adventure with Overwatch 2. I don't think, I mean, Overwatch 2 is going to sell because it's Blizzard. It's Overwatch, mm-hmm. yeah. People will buy it, and it's Overwatch. Um, I don't know if it's really going to be huge. Like, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they're going to start introducing mechanics similar to, like, was it Valorant? Almost, like. Maybe they'll have a Valorant kind of thing, but the game's not really built for that. I guess with that in mind, Valorant's obviously out there taking a chunk out of Blizzard's pie at this point. Like, it's definitely, it it overlaps in a meaningful way with the Blizzard crowd of who might like that game. If you're a Valorant player and you were an Overwatch player and you're digging Valorant right now, have you seen anything that would make you go, okay, fine, I'll go back to this? Say that again? I, if you were an Overwatch player and you're not playing Valorant because it's like by all measures probably a better shooter in a lot of ways than Overwatch is, do you like t- did you see any part of like what they showed off that would make you go, okay, I'll go back to Overwatch? Besides uh, like, hey, it's new Overwatch. Uh, they they didn't really have much. Yeah. That's the thing. I, there wasn't really much to talk about for Overwatch. I mean, there is a what's next panel, but I think it was just kind of going over some of the stuff sure, yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but I'll watch it at, at some point. Well, like, it it goes back but... to the kind of the weird question of why is Overwatch 2 even a thing? Why is this not just DLC for Overwatch that you actually paid for? Uh, money? I, I get it. Yeah. Intellectually, I know why. From a 
but why are you calling it Overwatch 2 perspective? That's more what I was getting at. No, you're absolutely right. They can make fucking money. So, BlizzCon? Um, I think so. Yeah, there wasn't really much else, so we'll see, uh, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, I think that's it for BlizzCon. Yeah, back to, I guess, have some quick, quick burns if we can for a couple minutes. Let's talk about Amazon mm-hmm. real quick, because we got two things about them. Uh, that MMO of theirs that, uh, we just love talking about because it sounds increasingly like it's just a bad idea that maybe should never come out, given that, you know, it was like undeniably racist at one point in time. Uh, for those who aren't following what I'm talking about, I think it's, it's New World or something like that's what it's called. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's New World. Colonialism, the MMO, kind of, at least it was last time yeah. I watched some gameplay footage for it. And there's been some stories like we've talked about on this podcast of how they've apparently brought in, like, cultural sensitivity experts that are like, yeah, no, this is super racist against Native Americans and other stuff. But, mm. yeah, so that's been delayed until August. It was supposed to come out, I think, in, like, a week or two at this point, maybe, like, even next month. But, yeah, no, if you're excited for that, uh, enjoy that getting pushed. The beta's also been pushed along with that. Uh, I continue to be curious and confuse it with another game that already came out, so I find these delays extra baffling but while we're on the amazon topic well i'll just put in oh. this like uh coming from amazon games i'm expecting a title that will technically work yeah but it's not necessarily going to be fun so yeah so that's that's my prediction but we'll see what's weird about this thing too is i swear this is the first like amazon game that got announced and there's been other stuff that's come out since then and I, again, I go back to, I thought this game had been released, like, two or three times already. And not just because I confused it with another game that's kind of got a similar premise and overlap to what that name was eluding me right now. But, yeah, no, this... I'm more fascinated with this game as, like, a concept than an actual game at this point, because it's been a... Like, we've been talking about this game existing for a little while at this point, and that's never a good sign in some ways. Take Cyberpunk. That's why we're talking about Amazon. Let's talk about Mark Whiten. Whitten? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, former head of Amazon's Luna service, the, you know, that whole streaming thing they were doing to compete with Stadia. He's gone. He's going to Unity. Yeah. Well, yeah, I like, is that pretty much mean Luna's also dead in the water? There were a bunch of articles I chose not to kind of include because they were more speculative about how the Xbox. Um, on service, whatever the fuck it's called, I'm blanking on it right now, has essentially kind of put a major boot down on every other kind of streaming platform that's that's mm. not GeForce Now, because GeForce Now has its own thing going on and reasons to exist. It's like, okay, but why? You already have an Xbox account, why would you possibly get a Stadia account, or this Luna account, or the Facebook gaming one that exists now, I guess? Like, it's already a known platform with friends you can play with. You're not trying to sell them on anything. Why would you ever use anything else? And this definitely adds <laughs> kind of more to that conversation, I think. No controversy here, just that. I guess our last quick one before we dive back into some other longer topics. Hitman 3! If you're on the PC, you can find all your levels from previous games. They finally did that. I did that. I'm happy with it. No real news there, just we talked about it in the past being delayed, and now you can go do it. You want to talk about Sony and Grand Scopes of Things? Sure, Sony Corner time. Yeah, so let's start off with the PlayStation State of Play, which 
I think that's now replaced the PSXs they used to do, which was kind of their own little mini E3 things, and definitely in COVID time, that feels more responsible. We got some fucking announcements out of this, which looks pretty good. We got a Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate, Integrate, however you want to pronounce that, which is just the, uh, it's Yuffie, right? Yeah, well, it's the, it's the release officially for the new consoles. Yeah. Or for PS5. But, well, there's two things. There's the PS5 but it version. Does include, but it does include a new story. Yeah. Yuffie. Yeah. Because everybody loves Yuffie. And I think I saw the best hot take from this is they're finally letting you play the expanded Final Fantasy VII cinematic universe, which I guess is A, a thing, and B, things people wanted to do for a long time. So congrats on that. Well, yeah. I wonder if it kind of rolls with the Advent children. Because I personally enjoyed that movie. Yeah, it's fine. I, um, but, uh, I, I just remember Yuffie a lot because one of my, like, somebody I knew back in the day when the freight get, when the original first came out. All right. So there's a section where you end up going on a date with somebody and that in, in the original, this yeah. is in the original. And that depends on who you sort of like always replied to most positively. You yeah. kind of get a point system. And he, he liked to call it I Love Yuffie Points. She was the most difficult because you meet her quite late. And so getting I Love Yuffie Points is kind of difficult to get that over. You basically have to diss the hell out of, like, like you have to insult and just, in every way, be negative to everybody else in order to get, in order for Yuffie to win yeah. out in the end. If no none of them went out in the end, you actually go on a date with Barrett. Yes. I remember the bro that. date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you can also get a few I love Barrett points. But uh he, he's the only one more difficult than Yuffie to get on a date yeah. for that game. I wonder if they're gonna do something similar for this remake. I kinda hope they do. We're not to that point so, of the game yet, obviously, so we'll we'll find out then. But yeah, I I don't actually remember who I ended up on a date with in that game. It might have been Eris. Or Aerith, whatever the fuck. Yeah. You know, Final Fantasy VII fans, uh, rejoice. Stuff is happening. I wouldn't hate to play up. Uh, what was that? What was the game? This the cinematic thing used to the Final Fantasy VII movie that was kind of divisive with some people. That'd make a Ad- cool game. Advent. Yeah. Advent Children. That'd make a cool game. That guy has a double samurai sword at one point. Mm hmm. Yeah. Part of this, though, uh, Kenna Bridge of Spirits got announced the very nice-looking trailer. Uh, it's coming to PS4 and PS5 August 24th. It's, I don't want to call it kind of a rare mysticism game, but it definitely has that vibe going on. It's got a person with a staff that's also a bow and other stuff, so it's got a nice design to it. I'm not sure I'll be picking this one up, but it yeah. looks cool. Yeah, it looks really nice. Yeah. I like the art. I like the art design. It looks definitely. pretty, definitely. Yeah. It's stylized, it has some nice use of color, it seems to pop. Got another look at the game Returnal, which, I'm going to start calling it this now, it is the Dark Souls sci-fi game you never knew you wanted. Or I guess kind of the Dark Souls equivalent of Dead Space, I guess? I don't know. This is that sci-fi sure. game they showed off that's run-based, kind of. Like, it's got that, you die, you repeat, or you respond in some way on this kind of hostile alien planet. It, I think it looks neat, but I also don't know enough about this, and 
can't play it yet because I'm on a PS5. So, yeah, they showed off more gameplay, which is always nice to see. It's got a really nice traversal system. It's got your jump jets going on. Monsters are terrifying. Yeah, no, I... Yeah. I don't know enough about this game to have lots of opinions yet, except that lots of things happen in this trailer that make me positive for a video game. And the monsters in it are appropriately kind of tentacly. No official release date, just a, hey, still exists, still coming. Oddworld Soulstorm is coming to the PS5 and PS4 on April 6th. Congrats on having more Oddworld. Again, it looks like more Oddworld. Yeah, they're sticking with the 2D, or, you know, the 2D style instead of trying to move to a 3D. I like Munch's Odyssey. Yeah, and and I think that's good. Um, The only one that wasn't was the Stranger's Wrath. No, Munch's Odyssey was also third, uh, had 3D aspects of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Uh, yeah, I, I didn't play that one, but yeah, I knew that the Stranger thing did, but yeah. I like Stranger's Wrath a lot. That was a terrible Oddworld game, but a fantastic Weird West game. Oh, yeah, I mean, that was the point. That's why it was, you know, a, a side story to yeah. it, but the main character is cool. <laughs> Give me Stranger's really- Wrath, too. Let me play more as the Stranger. That character was great. Yeah. I have no reverence for this franchise, but I know a lot of people are super into this thing still being a thing, so congrats. It's about time. Got a PS5 announcement. It's getting some new features. It's Crash Bandicoot. If you like it or you don't. They announced... 3D platforming. Yeah. They announced a dodgeball game called Knockout City. So that sounds fun. Mm, it looks cool. Like It's got kind of the... There was this chunk of time back when me and Alex were both at Extra Life where there was a bunch of kind of cool not fighting game, multiplayer games. Uh, like, uh, what was it? Not Royal Rumble. That's a whole other thing. Like, uh, murder? Wait, for what? No, wrestling? for... Uh, we played a bunch of Extra Life for various kind of things we did because they were good, like, easy to pick up multiplayer kind of fighting style games. They weren't actually fighting style games. They were... They had kind of a vibe to them, though, in that case. They were Smash Bros. adjacent. Like the alligator dodge... The alligator handball game. I'm trying to remember what the fuck it was called. You could play as an alligator. You weren't always an alligator. Oh, was it called, I can't remember, Yeah, it wasn't called, like, Murder Ball, but it was something similar to that. I know there was Duck yeah, Game. Yeah, that was... That we yeah. played a lot. Um... We played Duck Game, Smash Brothers, like Mario Kart. We didn't do anything too outlandish that I can remember. No, it wasn't weird. It was an indie. It was a side. It was a 2D kind of. Oh, iDarb. Which one? No, I-Darb? but yeah, this kind of has that same vibe as iDarb does, though, too. It's, but it's 3D. It's got kind of that fun, it's a game, take it as you leave it vibe to it. It doesn't it's matter. About, it's about time we got a dodgeball video yeah. game again. Is like the last one was for the NES. There's been a couple since then. They weren't as cool, I guess. This one has some fun factor going on, I guess, to it. It seems to emphasize the fundamentals of dodgeball. We all know we're dip, dive, duck, dive, and dodge. That same vibe that, like, uh, fuck, Fall Guys had going on. Where it's like, yeah, it's inherently kind of easy to pick up and play this weird-ass game. The more I'm seeing of it, though, the weirder it does seem to be. Uh, next up, Absolver, or the two behind Absolver, announced that they're doing a game called Sifu. Kind of looks like a sequel to Absolver, which was that kung fu, or kind of martial arts uh, MMO-ish thing for a while back that had some Dark Souls-style stuff to it. I thought it was a cool-ass game. I just was ass at it, so I didn't play much of it. Similar art style, but your correction is a face this time around as opposed to a mask, so that's good for those who found that part off-putting. But it has a weird mechanic to it. Interesting mechanic. 
Like Elaborate? every every time you die in this game, you get a little older and more yeah. skilled. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I mentioned uh, this sometime before. Remember the Kowloon Knights? Yeah. This this is one of the games that's being funded by that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I the fighting in Absolver was always fantastic, so this kind of applied to a more single-player focused thing. The, the trailer for this looks badass. Like, if you're looking for a cool martial art game, this stuff has that vibe going on to it. Could be a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, this is, this is one of the many projects that they're trying to fund, so yeah. that's kind of cool. I'm glad this was part of that. This looks badass as all hell. And it's coming to Epic Games and stuff. It's not just a PS4 game. Uh, next up, we have... yeah. Certainly not the last week. We got to look at Hyper Life Drifter's new uh, developer's new game. Uh, uh, sorry, they're called uh, what's Solar, Solar Ash. Ash. Yeah, there's a lot of words I'm throwing in this thing's title. It's pretty looking. Yeah, it's definitely using the same sort of like palette. Yeah, which I really like the palette for Hyper Light Drifter. I think it's very cool, unique, and it feels otherworldly. And uh, and I like that. I, I th- it's a very deliberate palette, very very deliberate palette, and but instead of like being you know like bit based, you know sixteen bit or whatever, it's it's just high def, so, yeah. and it looks marvelous. It looks absolutely fantastic. I'm probably going to be interested in playing it. And it looks like you air skate in this game. Any game with yeah. a like skating momentum system to how it moves, I'm inherently a little bit into because I played Tribes and also like Jet Set Radio. I. This game looks cool as hell. I'm, I'm yeah. glad that what they showed off, this is the one that stuck out to me as like, okay, I want to know more about this and play this thing ASAP. Yeah, uh, I hope it's on other platforms, though it's not uh, it's not clear if it will be or yeah. not, because I'd certainly like to play it. Yeah. I would, I would buy it. Sony may occasionally be a little bit too good at locking this stuff up. Yeah, and it's got a sci-fi vibe. There's a ship at one point they're in. It just looks cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it appears to be just PS4 and PS5, so you may be out of luck on that one, Henry. We got shown off the uh, next Friday, uh, not, not next Friday, the next Five Nights at Freddy's game. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. Is this the first one to not put you in just the chair? This has like a stealth vibe to it. We're actually walking around and have to do stuff. Or has that been a thing with that franchise for a little bit now? I don't follow Five Nights at Freddy's. I, neither do I. Um... Though I think it's an interesting franchise, but yeah, like, but to me, all right. So I've not even mentioned this before. Like, I don't like games that feel like anxiety simulators, and this is a game that, yeah. like the rest, the most of the series was absolutely one hundred percent anxiety simulator. So, you know, spinning spinning plates, that idea. Now I'll definitely but, uh, give it. This yeah, one. this this game. There's actually you move around. It it's like an, I, I'm like an alien isolation vibe to it going on. Like I actually, I, I'm not saying I'll play this, but of the Five Nights at Freddy's games, this is the first one. I'm like, oh, maybe I will play this. Actually, this is actually more of a game than security desk job simulator. A little jump scares. I, either you're in or you're not at this point. I'm sure the Five Nights at Freddy's fans are going, oh shit, totally new gameplay. To them, I'd say, hey, alien isolation exists, but yeah. Any game that shows falling into a ball pit is maybe a bad thing. I'm inherently going, okay, yeah, let's see how that plays out in a stealth game. You escape the monster by jumping through the tube. That's a cool idea. And fall into a noisy pit of balls. Okay. It's a thing. We'll see how it reviews when it comes out, I guess. Uh, last but not least, they showed off more of Deathloop. Uh, 
a game that I suspect you have to either be into at this point or nothing they're ever going to show will make you excited ever again. It's, uh, for those not clear, I think this is from Bethesda, technically. It's from, Ar- from Arcane Studios, who I think is owned by Bethesda, technically. It's that game where you die, and it's it's a roguelike that's a first-person shooter where it's two assassins competing against each other. One's a counter-assassin, one's trying to assassinate several targets, and it's a, they show that you play Bind of Both story paths, they go against each other. And there's weird mystic time-bending powers. And the characters are aware of this mystic time-bending powers, too. They're very aware that this is like, no, this is something's happening. It's got kind of, it's from the Dishonored crowd, and it definitely feels like a Dishonored game in a good way. Just disarmed with more guns. Mm-hmm. Got that nice, what's that, 70s style to it? 60s style to it? Yeah. Very mad Yeah, that, that sort of spy, the spy era. Yeah. You know, the 60s spy era. Yeah. And that's the state of play for, for PlayStation. Pretty decent one. That's not the end of our Sony news this week. They've been up to some stuff in the background that I'd also argue is maybe more in some cases, important than actually the state of play. So, first off, Gran Turismo 7, A, is apparently a thing that's being developed, and B, it's been delayed um, till at least next year. Surprising no one because Gran Turismo, but holy shit, they're making a new Gran Turismo game. Them photorealistic cars, y'all. Yeah, I always liked Gran Turismo, actually. It was, uh... One of my fondest it was fun. Game Shark moments involves Gran Turismo, oddly enough. I had a friend that was like way into that game growing up, and I bought a Game Shark for a PS2 and got to have the cool moment of us going over to his house or something. Okay, like, hey, do you want like millions of dollars? And our parents were both like, What the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, No, in the car racing game, I can give him millions of dollars with my Game Shark. That was a whole thing. But yeah, no, Grand Turismo 7, it's coming eventually, apparently. Still won't have crash mechanics though, because that would ruin the pristineness of the cars, and they got rules against that, but. Get your giant car share simulators ready, boys. On top of that, Sony has returned to the Play at Home initiative, which they kicked off as part of this whole COVID thing we're still a part of, more or less a year later. Uh, this time around, they are giving away, or giving access to, I guess more accurately, the Crash Bandicoot game that came out in 2016. A well-received one, too. People liked it. Look on that. It's for PlayStation 4. Cool they remember they were doing this. Cool they're still doing it, I guess. So, points on that, Sony. But probably the news Alex likes the most. <laughs> so it was announced that gay- that Days Gone, the motorcycle gang zombie survival thing they made, which some people were way into and most people were kind of meh on, is coming to PC now. And it's the kind of first of several other unannounced PS4-exclusive games that are going to be making their way to PC. I suspect the PC crowd will dig this. It was a cool enough game that some people really vibed with it. I just don't play zombie games, so I didn't touch it. But, yeah, no. Live out that Sam Crow fantasy, I guess, with zombies, if you so wish. But, Alex, you get to say your thanks for beta testing it for us, guys, joke, if you want now. What, what are we... Oh, yeah, of course. The day is gone thing, yeah. Thank you guys. As always, console players, I appreciate you guys for really putting in the work and paying to opt in and beta test all these games for us PC hey, Master hey, Race Alex, players. Thanks, Alex, guys. Yeah. How's that Horizon Zero yeah. Dawn port treating you? Huh? I don't give a shit. I don't play Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> fair. Yeah, that's coming this spring, so look forward to that. If you haven't played this game, we're excited about it. But yeah, more things coming after this. 
allegedly. Probably the coolest thing to come out of Sony in some ways this week, at least I think so, is they also got out there and unveiled what the fuck's going on PlayStation VR. Uh, it will be a little bit of time before we get a new system of that, but yeah, they still have plans to support that, and the new PlayStation VR at the earliest will be gracing us in 2022, but probably later. But they are working on it. So, yeah, VR, not dead. Thank you, Sony. That's your Sony corner of the week. It's uh, corner. I'll, I'll just add in one more Sony Oh, right, news. I forgot about that, because it's not in the same block. My bad. So, so they have more or less gotten rid of their, what's called their, uh, their Japan studio, which is a studio that was responsible for some, some pretty important games. I mean, Shadow of the Colossus is probably the most notable, but like, and they've worked on several games since. I mean, even recent games, but they're pretty much dumping the entire studio except for like one team uh, that will keep developing under their own kind of new company, I suppose, like, or a new brand or a new section. Uh, team mm-hmm. Asobi, who have or one of the ones that worked on a lot of these games, but yeah, it's pretty much no more. They've pretty much, uh, yeah, uh, people have left and they've laid off, and they're just kind of like, yeah, they're just getting rid of the entire studio, pretty much. I was gonna say it's not that they're not shutting it down to shut down; they're shutting it down because the place is kind of dissolved on its own organic process, slightly worth. Like, yeah, no, it's no longer worth this being its own thing. Sad day. Let's jump back to one of our kind of quick fires again, because we have at least yeah two more kind of big things to slog through. Let's talk about Vampire the Masquerade! So, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, the sequel to the very popular, if not severely dated Vampire the Masquerade video game you can play right now, has been delayed indefinitely. After already being delayed pretty severely once, and... Yeah, the rumors are flying on this one. This is time to be worried about that game. Yeah, I mean, they took off the team that was working on yeah. it. The studio, the, the Hard Suit Labs. They took them off the project. Isn't that the second uh, one they fired, technically? Or it's been removed from this? I feel like the first delay was caused by something similar. Uh, I could be wrong about that. We don't have to dig through it. No, I mean no. It's it had been developed by Hardsuit up to this point, so and now it's not. So yeah. So and for thing. reference, this game was supposed to be out roughly this time last year after the uh, booming success that was the World of the Apocalypse game we got a couple months ago. Get worried because that game was hot trash. Talk about Pokemon now, or do you want to talk about Nintendo first? Because Nintendo's probably the chronological I mean, order. There, yeah. They, they, you can't talk about Pokemon without bringing yeah, up that's fair. Let's do it. <laughs> they kind of go yeah, hand so hand. That's, that's a fair <laughs> Let's do them as one big block. Fuck it. Why not? So we got two directs out of Nintendo this week. One that was the uh, Nintendo Direct that's been leading up to for a while. And we also got the, you want to feel old, 25th anniversary of Pokemon Direct or Pokemon Direct announcement or celebration, whatever the correct terminology is, that had some stuff in it. And yeah, we're going to go through that real quick, because a lot of stuff happened. So, uh, Xenoblades is indeed joining the Smashiverse once again with two new characters. I don't know who either of these characters are, because I'm old and don't play Xenoblade anymore. Is it, sorry, is it, is it just one character? I thought it was two for some reason. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, no, I guess it's, there's Mithra as well, so. Yeah. Pyra and Mithra, yeah. who I don't know, because I... I've never really played the Xenoblade series. You keep so. up with the kids, Alex, and you play Smash. 
What's the feeling on this one? Uh, so as far as I think it was pretty trolly and fun because one of the biggest complaints about um Smash characters is they always talk about they're always added in these sword. Yeah these sword characters and it's always like a sword character. I mean, they even added Sephiroth, which was the sword character, if you will. And so uh, one of the memes I saw about this was kind of funny. Um, was people were saying, we're going to take this to the next level. Why it by bringing a sword character. We we could literally just bring in the sword. The sword is a character. So yeah. Cause I guess this character, uh, yeah, Mithra or whatever the yeah. legendary. Yeah, she is it, a sword. The, she's a sword. So they're like, it's one of those things where just like they're just gonna literally bring in the sword now. Fuck having a character attached to it. It's just the sword, which is again, I think it's I think it's very on point because it's pretty trolly, and I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, the the guy I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Sakurai. Uh, who's the guy? Sakurai. Sakurai is pretty fucking trolly. If you ever watch oh, some yeah. of his old trailers, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like that, he loves to fucking troll. So I think he literally adding in the uh, a sword character was kind of like, or the sword as a character was kind of good. So yeah, I I like it. Sure, I mean it's cool. I I I will say I appreciate. So like, I really appreciate it in the sense that like there are a ton of games that Nintendo has that the U.S. did not know much about until they started showing up in Smash. Like, I didn't know shit about any of, like, the Fire Emblem characters or, like, Xenoblade or, like, any of those. I don't know about any of those, but, like, seeing them introduced through there, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I found out there's more yeah. games involved with it. So it was a good way to kind of introduce their other uh, Alex, I got some bad IPs, news if you will. because you're a non-RPG playing uh, Luddite, but Fire Emblem's been a thing in the U.S. for yeah. quite a time. Oh, okay, well, I didn't know about it. I was more into, like, Final Fantasy yes, and Super Mario RPG. That was my shit. I love Super Mario RPG. The, the people I know that were, like, when they announced Ike for, what was it, Smash Brawl, or whatever it was, the third one he came into, were, like, through the, like, oh, shit, Ike's in the game! And I'm like, oh, God, after you hear about how Ike had that combo with that axe of demonness or whatever the fuck it was called in that ring, again, don't I? But, yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I, I think I saw that I've seen two fun reactions out of this. That kind of are less game specific and more kind of the fan base specific. The first of which was a fake meme of also now that we've announced these two characters, we were obviously shutting down the kind of fan content section of Smash for reasons that should be obvious because people are terrible. Mm-hmm. And also that I think this is kind of a correct analysis is that like there's a whole new generation of Nintendo fans out there and we are now the old Nintendo fans that Nintendo's no longer sitting catering to. And I'm fine with that. But the superly like, outspokenly upset about these changes crowd, that's them that are kind of mad about that. And I find that just hilarious to think about. Where it's like, I'm never going to be old. You're old. Congratulations. You that, you're pushing for Dante. We get it. Dante would be cool. But also, no one under the age of 25 knows who the fuck Dante is or cares. That's the natural order of things. Moving on from that, uh, a match made in both Heaven and Hell simultaneously. Fall Guys is coming to the Switch this summer. That's awesome, but remember, the Switch does not have great online services, so that's less awesome. Uh, along that same train, Outer Wilds will be joining the Switch, which, again, fantastic game, so congrats on that. Samurai Warrior Five will be coming to the Switch as well. Is that a Musou game? Am I confusing that with something else? I think it's a Musou game, right? 
I think so. Yeah, it's Dynasty Warriors, if I correctly. Uh, and two Famicom Detective Club games will be coming that way, too. Uh, what the fuck is Famicom Detective ga- uh, Club? Looks like a visual novel I, series. I, I was hoping you actually would know what the hell that was. Fair enough. Is that uh, game you might have hmm. some background knowledge of? Nah, I haven't really. I, yeah, I, I'm not... Hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't really played them, so... Yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I figured the name was based off the old uh, Famicom game disc system, which was a thing back. I, in the day. I should reframe. Like they're yeah. being localized. They're coming to the U.S. They've been in Japan. Well, these for a while. these were yeah. these were really these are NES games. Yeah. If if if, yeah. if you want to get very technical about it, these are NES games. So, Legend of Mana is coming to the Switch. So, congrats on that PS One era game making the jump to modern day accessibility. Comes out June fourth. I suspect there's a crowd real fucking excited about that. We got to look at Monster Hunter Rise. It still looks like Monster Hunter Rise, which is good. We also got announced that there's a new Mario Golf coming, which means just nine more games. So I get a new Mario Strikers, that awesome soccer game of ridiculousness. Back to Mario Golf, though. It's Mario Golf, you think it is. It looks good. Bowser's there. Mario's there. A bunch of Mario characters you don't care about are also there to fill out the roster. Uh, probably me will be there, too. But, yeah, we've been clamoring for that, I guess. The Mario sports games have a weirdly profound fan base I've learned over the years. Capcom Arcade Stadium is out as of, I kind of asked if we're talking about this, it's already out there, you can go play it if you so wish. We yep. talked about this and, before. I don't know, um, I do know that it includes a few games that, are, that were rarer to see in the arcades, uh, Powered Gear and Battle Circuit. And those are games I, I think probably, you know, for collectors be a bit excited about seeing both of those as a part of this collection. And it's not just uh, support. There is some kind of remastering stuff put in. Like, technically speaking, Ghosts and Goblins is now sort of easier. This is a rewind mechanic. Mm, yeah. Uh, of course, like, Ghosts and Goblins is... Alright, so... <laughs> Ghosts and Goblins is not a good game. Ghouls and Ghosts just improved on it. Just exponentially, just in every single fucking way, there's no reason to play that shitty game. Like, that game is so, just, yeah, bad. It's just not a good game. The sequel's a hundred times better, so. On top of that, Stubbs the Zombie, Rebel Without a Pulse, a Xbox game that one of my friends tried to sell me as a console killer. Uh, It's coming March 16th. I remember one of my friends going on about how amazing that game was and how much my PS2 sucked for not having it. The fact that none of us are jumping up and down at the announcement of this proves that time has proven him to be a liar, and also he was one back then. Tales from the Borderlands is coming March 24th, kind of on the heels of that thing returning to storefronts. That's fantastic. It's still one of the best Borderlands and Telltale games, period. DC Superhero Girls Teen Power, a name I do not like, it's way too long, is out June 4th. It's basically what you think it is. No More Heroes 3, you got a trailer, and it's also coming August 27th. It's Travis Touchdown versus Aliens, y'all! But, oh, that's a, it's a cool series. It's a fun series yeah. to play, so... Yeah, could be very good. It's got... It, motion gimmicks are back, like a bunch of weird controller stuff is back. It's No More Fucking Heroes. It's... I cannot wait, because No More Heroes finally a reason to own a Switch. Thank God someone finally made one of those. Game called Knocked Out City comes out May 21st as part of this announcement. 
Neon White, the most anime-ass video game I've seen in a long time, is also coming soon, or got announced as part of this. It's from, ironically, the crowd behind Donut County, one of my favorite games from past years that you wouldn't think would be a shooter. Yeah. We're also seeing a Miitopia, which is kind of like Tamadachi Life, plus some RPG elements coming to the, uh, the Switch. If you're into that, you're into that at this point. Um, Mario's coming to Animal Crossing, sort of. There's some stuff. There's a collection of items, if you will, that you can now dress up as. I one look forward to turning back on my copy of Animal Crossing and greeted by all my neighbors. I thought I died in that game. <laughs> I'm not judging myself at all with that one. Yeah, there's a lot here. The thing called Star Wars Hunters coming out as part of this. It's a multiplayer Star Wars game coming out later this year. Not kind of details on that. There's a mm. game called Project what? Triangle Strategy. Yeah, that looks fucking cool. I am a huge fan mm. of tactical RPGs, and yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah, I be you know, this is a game that I would possibly be into. I. Yeah, it looks cool. The system looks cool for it, so... Yeah. World Ends Club is uh, they got announced from the people that made uh, Danganronpa, so it's another detective story game. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is getting a DLC. That's the Musou game. That's some people announced. Uh, Skyward Sword is coming to the Switch without motion mechanics, if that's not a thing you liked, so yeah, go play a kind of cool good Zelda game that was held back by a not-so-great Wiimote to the controls. But unsurprisingly, people are pissed it's coming out of a full 60 bucks. I don't know. I don't know on that one. Nintendo's kind of known for spiking the prices on their pre-releases. And last of announcements, uh, Nintendo announced Splatoon 3, which they've gone on to completely confirm that, yeah, holy shit, this game takes place in a post-apocalyptic Earth. Just a bunch of monuments in the background of some of the shots that are definitely the real world as we know it. Full of squid people. Who are definitely, uh, like, descendants of bloopers. Yeah. I'll believe it. On top of that, though, there is, and this is kind of the big thing a lot of people were upset about, there is no mention, uh, or it was announced there will be no announcements for uh, the next us. Uh, God, how can I forget this game's name? I, it's the biggest thing they've done for a long time. Uh Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, there is no news on that. That's the news, I guess, we'll think of on that one. A lot of people got mm. upset about this. I get it. They're really excited for that game. Again, going back to that whole OK Boomer topic we touched on earlier, it definitely feels like they're not catering to a crowd that thought that game was going to be the end-all, beat-all. Like, is Zelda still a thing for people that are younger than us at this point, or is it just kind of inertia at this point that keeps that thing going with the older crowd? I mean, it's been reinvented so many sure. times. That's the thing. It's like it's it's the same with Mario. They've yeah. they've taken their you know their characters, their main characters, and just keep reinventing them in a certain way. Like especially the Zelda series, where you're almost always playing a new Link. Yeah, like it's not the same Link that you've played before. So that keeps it fresh. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you can play Breath of the Wild without having to know anything about any other Zelda that's ever fucking existed. That's true. It's an entirely new story. So that's the other thing. There's no requirement to know a bunch of fucking lore to get into the game. It has brand new lore, and it's not related to the other games, except maybe on some strange timeline, but that's... Yeah, it's just... You don't have to know 
big backstory to play it. Yeah. So, yeah. Stays relevant because it stays fresh. And that's the Nintendo Direct. We have an old second part of this to get through now because why not have two giant Nintendo announcements in one week, I guess? This one, I think, had some more cool stuff. This is our Pokemon 25 years thing, and as always, the Pokemon community is impossible to make happy, so there's been lots of outrage over this, but first off, we have Pokemon Legends Acreus, Acreus, which I think has been described by a couple of people as sure as fuck looking like Breath of the Wild Pokemon, which I'm okay with. It appears to be kind of a step back sure. in time to the pre-Professor days of Pokemon, the the wild frontier aspects of Pokemon, back when adventurers were adventurers and Pokeballs were made of wood and somehow still work the way they do in the modern era of Pokemon, I guess. I, I, it's not clear how this thing's going to play. It shows people kind of throwing Pokeballs at Pokemon, like being in a battle with them, so that's a twist. Coming out next year, so... Yeah, it's not so it's gonna be two versions of this game. I not a lot of details are except people walking through fields and it looking like a pretty ass game. But beyond that, yeah, no. Bunch of legacy Pokemon, yeah. a bunch of cross generational stuff, some fan favorites showed up, so hopefully this'll be cool. Yeah, probably the kind of weirdest part of this is that the appears the starters available are Cyntaquil, which was the one from the second games, uh Gold and Silver. Uh, Owlet, which I think was from one of the more recent ones, and Oswald, the water otter. So, yeah, we're doing away with that whole continuity thing in a hard way, and I am here for it. Also, the god Pokemon's back, as the name implies. Acreus is back, y'all. You can catch a god in this game. I, is I it Arceus? Arceus, or? you're right. Arceus, that's the correct way of pronouncing it. I'm an idiot that does not play enough Pokemon, apparently. As part of this, though, there was announced of a re-release of, uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, which were big in their day, so you're getting Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl kind of running on the same engine as that last Pokemon game that pissed everyone off with their sloppy models and all that jazz. This is a, a 2DS game, so maybe a 3DS game, technically. No, 2DS, yeah. They're basically the same. Uh, yeah, no, no one's happy because Pokemon, but this is one of the better received games, so this was the last kind of traditional Pokemon game in some ways before the more modern era of stuff took on in some ways. I don't think I played this one, so I don't have much more to say in the nostalgia category. We got another look at Pokemon Snap. It looks like more Pokemon Snap in the way you want it to be. They continue to not know how the fuck to advertise that game, though, because like, here, here's the mechanics of Pokemon Snap, and not just shut up and look at these beautiful Pokemon models. Look at them. But, yeah, no, that's still coming. Coming out April 30th. And that's your Pokemon Direct. Big... Uh, apparently, hmm? they're also uh, doing the virtual concert with Post Malone. Yes, oh, that's God. right! <laughs> well, you know what? You want to stay, you know, hip with the kids. You gotta be in with the kids' music. And Post Malone... Still pretty fucking hot, you know, still pretty fucking hot at this point. So, yeah, smart, I, smart I, fucking move. I know, people sh- I know people shit on Post Malone, but I actually really I like I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, like, I've listened to a few of his songs, like, uh, they're, yeah, I've enjoyed them. 
I'm not like a big. He just seems like a pretty wholesome dude as a person. Yeah, I like. I'm, I'm not like I a huge fan of him, but I like him all mm-hmm. right. And also, I think it's a smart move. I mean, include somebody that's definitely still very much in the public zeitgeist. I mean, he's he's you know he's extremely popular. So I'm gonna yeah. fess up to something right now. I thought Post Malone and what was it the six nine guy that was that meme for all those court proceedings the same person till just now <laughs> nope that's that's definitely two different people so an abundance of facial tattoos is what threw me off on those ones yep yeah if they add a post malone npc into pokemon like as a game character that would be fucking that, cool. that would be lit. fucking cool a post malone dlc where you can get face tattoos on your pokemon trainer oh, make yeah. a post malone jigglypuff <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. That would be so good! Jigglypuff with facial tattoos? Considering that Jigglypuff is all face, that works really fucking well. Nintendo, get on that shit! Post Malone a rapper? I don't actually know what Post Malone does. He's a rapper. I want want to rap in Jigglypuff. That's what I want at this point. Yep. Raps, does a little bit of singing, uh, but also plays guitar. This is perfect. How can you not have a Post Malone Jigglypuff at this point? It's too good. Yeah. Way too fucking good. We're not done with news yet. There's so much. Alex, you're not going <laughs> to want to miss this news. Uh, we've kind of alluded to this, I think, a couple times throughout this podcast. We did we tripped during the preamble. I can't keep track of these things anymore. Uh, but we regret to for- inform you that Anthem, the, the, the diamond in the rough, is officially dead. A thing we talked yep. about a couple weeks ago now of how Bioware and EA were kind of entering the chamber to talk about the future of Anthem. Well, it's it's come to pass, and yeah, no, they're they're pulling the plug on that one. Yeah, you know what? I gotta, I gotta, yeah. I sorry no, for you, but be. at the same I, time, I, that's for all the Matrix Online jokes you've made over the years. Did you play that into your recording, um, or did you just play that next? Does that a sound effect you put in Discord? I played it into the oh, recording. Be fun to edit later. <laughs> Sorry, nice. <laughs> I did that. Uh, well, <laughs> thanks, jackass. <laughs> That'll be fun to fix in post because I'm uh, sure it blew your hot levels out. <laughs> yeah, no, Anthem. Uh, yeah, Anthem's gone. Are, so, what's like? They say they're just done, done, or are they just going to have it it's in like not maintenance clear, mode? Done? Actually, that's part of the problem. That. If you talk to the Anthem community, like, the way that Reddit reacted was they showed up to the people's houses and kicked their dog and shot their mom and then, like, <laughs> made off with their sister or brother. It's not... It, the Anthem community's taking this real hard. A, a, a revolution that everyone saw coming. They're like, I can't believe they would do this. And even I'm sitting there being like, really? You can't believe they did this? You fucking idiot? Yeah. It's... I, look, as, okay, all joking around aside and all that stuff, I will, as somebody who went through the life cycle of the Matrix Online, I will tell you, it fucking sucks. And I would say, honestly, if they're going to pull the plug on it, just fucking pull the plug on it. The Matrix Online was on life support for a yeah. long fucking time. And the problem with that is it generates hope anytime there's a slight change or update that went out. Um, but, like, at literally, like, at some point, for Matrix Online's kind of development, there was one dev. One dev. And he did all the stuff in terms of, like, the game modeling stuff. 
and wrote the story because the original writer and all that stuff was gone. So one guy at SOE back in the day fucking kept that game going for as long as it did. And as much as I appreciate that dude, um, it, that game was on life support for I, a I long time. I want to point out that time. Alex, once again, has made a story that has nothing to do with the Matrix Online about the Matrix Online. So, yeah. Well, I'm just saying in general, I, I get it. Like, but like, I mean, I guess when it comes to Anthem, like, if they're going to end it, end yes. it. don't keep people. I don't know. I think like, something to play it would be fun. Because, like, again, like that game is still you can have fun playing. I, like again, going back to my, it's not a good game. I just had fun playing it. Argument. It's 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 always been that. And that's kind of the community's big gripe right now is the stuff that was fun about that game. Someone should steal. Someone should make a better, more profitable, whatever the right phrase is, Iron Man suit MMO at some point in the future. It was a cool idea for a game that had a lot of other problems going on with it in the background. So here we are. I think kind of also part of the big issue is that the official Bioware blog entry on this topic is a little bit bullshit. They're like, yeah, we have to go refocus on Stuff like Mass Effect and Dragon Age, which, okay, yeah. And then they throw in Star Wars The Old Republic as a focus over Anthem, and yeah, that game technically exists, but also that game technically still exists. Uh, yeah, I, it's not being shut down. Like, I guess like, COVID is part of what killed this thing, ultimately, and uh, yeah, I here we go. Yeah. You know and anyway, just again, further solidifies, like, this was Bioware with EA, yeah, right? not, uh, Bioware's been with EA for quite a few games at this point too. Like this isn't that's not a new yeah. merger, I guess. I, I think it's if indeed like the answer of like having this thing in the background was putting strain on us like, uh, genuinely from like a man person perspective. I get it. I respect it. I sort of like to see an Anthem 2.0, and they're also not saying Anthem 2.0's not not happening. They're just saying like we're shutting it down. For now, again, they're not saying like we're shutting even down the game all the way. It's just like a thing. And I'm also going to go back to if you put money into this game because this game was monetized from the jump. Sucks to be you, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I have less faith in Bioware and EA being able to pull off a successful reboot than like. Final Fantasy fourteen, uh, yeah. And no, this Square was and those guys because those guys, like, was it? Is it fourteen? Uh, yeah, it is fourteen. The MMO, like, let's not like let's not forget, like that game came out and it was real bad, and they literally shut it down yeah. and brought it back, and now it's great. Do you see? Like, I guess in your opinion, Charlie, given that like there are a few games that are able to make a comeback like that, do you think it's within Bioware and EA's ability to create? That oh, absolutely. Magic, yeah, that, I, like that comeback. I think it's magic. one of those ones where like. Setting aside my kind of willingness to play bad loot shooters, and I fully admit I have the ability to play stale and bad loot shooters into the ground. Like, fuck, I played Destiny 1 year 1 for way longer than I probably should have by all measures. Like, I have a high tolerance for games that, like, don't check all the boxes you want a good game to, but scratch that, like, loot-driven part of my brain that loves that shit. I liked Anthem. I, I will always like Anthem. I liked Anthem for, I think, all the right reasons, which were the gameplay was fun. The mech suits were fun. The way they kind of upgrades on the suits with the power armor aspect of that were fun. It's why I like Outriders, mm. though, too, where like a lot of games that give you kind of first-person shooter powers, the powers aren't on tap all the time. That's the phrase they keep using for Outriders, and I hate it. But like 
the game was like, yeah, you have these guns, but really the guns are there to fill the time between you can use your cool super abilities. And you had lots of super time. Like, you, you had access to supers a lot in Anthem. It was a true PvE game where just it was, yeah, you you were in mech suits, and that's why you had kind of funky powers, and the funky powers were like rocket launchers and other stuff, and that was cool. The art for the game, for the most part, was cool. You could have definitely, like, mm. there is a game or a version of this game out there that, like, in some parallel dimension or in some hard drive, that was a cool, badass game, because I've played this game, and the combat and the second-to-second gameplay of that game was cool and fun and could be badass. There were problems, but, like, the whole elemental kind of the system it had for like the, the the detonators, the whole kind of, you know, of priming stuff and then detonating it in builds or with kind of your teammates worked at a fundamental kind of fun gameplay loop that dramatically kind of outpaced the rest of the game. The story was eh. The world was interesting but underutilized. I, feel like I can tear apart that game and I will always go back to but it was really fun to play if you were into what that game was about. Like Again, not a lot of kind of small mech power armor games exist out there, and if you were just into flying around on patrols, fighting enemies in your cool-ass cyber suit, it was a really fun game, and you could totally have done something with that more. Hell, part of the parts I like about Art, um, about Outriders from a like larger how-you-do-things game, they definitely are copying parts of that into that game. Hell, Destiny is moving in a direction where they're kind of taking certain aspects where like, hey, if you're just on patrol, we're going to give you credit for that. Like, that's that's one of the coolest things Anthem did, which was there weren't missions on patrol. You just did shit as it popped up and then it kind of filled up some gauges and you left patrol eventually. That's not there in Destiny yet. They've kind of alluded to they're doing some stuff like that. I, I, Anthem's problem was the game came out and it had this big cliffhanger ending and then nothing else happened with it. You didn't need to do a full mm-hmm. No Man's Sky or Realm Reborn thing to make that game good. You could have just kept putting out more content for it and improving it incrementally along the way. And I get it, like that's easier said than done, and there's a variety of other reasons they couldn't do that, but you had people, myself, that would have kept playing that game if there was any obvious reason to do that. Like, just a couple more endgame things of any kind to do. Again, this game launched with the equivalent for endgame of three strikes and some weird difficulty options that as long as you were geared appropriately for it and were in a crowd, you couldn't really tell were happening. And Anthem's got something similar. It's got world tier style. So like, I, it wasn't Destiny. It was more like Diablo with power armor. That was fun enough for a lot of people. And I get like the whole the subreddit sadness of like, I like this game. Like, yeah, I like this game too for the gameplay start parts of this game. But I'm also a very gameplay-centric person. I will play an ass-looking game with a horrible story if I have fun playing it. And Anthem looked fine. It played well enough for me. Like, and again, this game has a weird history. I played it on PC with a controller, which seemed to be the best way to play that game in a variety of ways. I, my experience with that game was not necessarily indicative of the traditional Anthem experience, I guess. I don't know. And again, I've, I've never like defended this game as I think it's a good game. I think it's a fun game. I think it's, I, I'm hoping it stays around so people can still play it because it was fun. And I think the idea of it being taken off the life support, like, it's, yeah. At the same time, there was something there, I think, Bioware to give up on completely is a missed opportunity. There is something about this game that was cool. And maybe it's not Bioware, maybe it's, like, the eight guys that were working on this at Bioware go off, they start their own company, and 
make the real Anthem, for lack of a phrase, with a better name, because Anthem is a dumb game for a video game about power armor. But, yeah, no, you could have totally saved this thing. This thing was better than at least No Man's Sky was at launch in a lot of ways. Like, it was fun to play, which is not a thing I could say about No Man's Sky. Like, hell, it wasn't as flawed as Final Fantasy XIV was in some ways. It just got no support, and we could nitpick it to death. Like, it's a problem. Like, it suffered from the fact that they showed off one thing at E3, and they delivered something that was 80% there, but that remaining 20% what people chose to focus on. And then that kind of like stuff that made it different didn't exist, and it never got more to it. Like it got another mission at one point, and that mission was awesome. Whenever they added stuff to that game, it was cool. It kept the kind of like, oh yeah, this world is weird and funky, and I would like to know more. Like again, I own the art book for this game. What this game initially was pitched as was a cooler game than what it came out as. Like this whole idea that you were basically repurposing like survival mechs into, like, exploration gear is a neat idea for a game. It explains kind of more of this kind of junker tech thing they had going on. And what we got was this, why is this chunk of the game in first person? And you can't hang out with people. And, like, I, I don't know why Bastion existed in that game. It was dumb that it existed. Like, there's a lot of stuff in that game. Like, basically, all the story and, like, the world-building aspects of that game were bad. The actual playing parts of that game were cool as hell. And you could have done something with. And they just kind of chose not to. And Video game fans are capricious and vengeful and don't like forgiving on stuff. And not that they should have forgiven, but that's a very long-winded way of saying, yes, you could have done an Anthem game and it could have been good. The work kind of required to make this thing better was less than Andromeda. Yeah, and, and that thing got a fix, I guess. So I, I don't fucking know. I don't think I care that much at this point. Like, I've said more about Anthem in the last five minutes than I've said in years or ever maybe in some ways had to say about Anthem. <laughs> like, again, I'm going back to that. I never, like, I, we joke about it. I never said the game was good. I said the game was fun numerous times. We kind of latched onto that as our on-running joke. And I'm sad because the fun yeah. parts of that game were fun. The bad parts of that game were bad. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I mean, that, and that's kind of been my my view on Matrix Online as well. Like, it's it's a game that was fun. Was it good? We may not know, yeah. Yeah, so. But at last, like I said, I feel for you guys, those of you who were really invested in Anthem, yeah, the, my apologies, it always sucks when your game dies. Like, it's, I think that's, it, it, it for sucks. me that's the worst part, because they've just said they're not actively working on this anymore. Just shut the servers off at this point. Like, let Anthem die with some dignity yeah. almost becoming some weird ghost town of nostalgia and, like, angry players are like, this game could have fucking been I, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, as someone who lived through that, that's why I said, yeah. rip the no, band-aid I, I, off. I think You're going to shut it down. I'm with that, or also, like, just make everything free. I, I, I didn't check when I logged in, kind of curiosity, but I'm willing to bet that microtransaction machine still's running. I, I bet dollars to donuts it is, because <laughs> E fucking A, but, yeah, again, I, I played, oh, yeah. I, I paid full price for this game. Like, I, the subreddit for this game has been unbelievably toxic this week, and I expectedly so, but it's like, oh, yeah, People have full money. Probably people really pretty ripped off right now. Now I got sixty bucks worth of enjoyment out of this game. Like I played a bunch of it, and then I stopped. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing. Like I, there are some games I buy a touch for a bit, and I yeah. never fucking play again. Like if you got your sixty dollars worth when you bought yeah. it, good for you. Like, like if you you played it and you don't regret it, yeah. good, perfect. That's the way it should be. Like, yeah, sure, maybe it shuts down something like that. Like, 
Yeah, I definitely got my money's worth. When, you know, with MXO. So yeah, and it's it. like even the art book. How's right. that feel? It's a cool ass art book. I regret nothing. Yeah. Exactly. So you're gonna have people do this, but like, I don't know. As somebody who's lived through it a few times, I totally get like the feel and the fact that like the fact that you said, "Oh, just make everything yeah. free." We said the same thing <laughs> yeah. years ago, man. Ah, oh, it just oh, it yeah. I, I, Not I, only I think it's you can even leave the game running at this point. Like I think uh, when uh, Death Garden went down, they like, dropped the price of all the upgrades in that game, or like the microtransaction stuff to essentially nothing, so one could enjoy it. Like I, I, I don't know. I think leave it running for a little while so people can check it out or kind of say their goodbyes. But also, it has to end eventually, kind of thing. Like don't let it rot, I guess, and I think as long as it's out there, you'll still have a group of people like, oh, it's gonna come back, and maybe it will, maybe it won't, who knows, like, eventually COVID will end, and the video game world will get weird again, and maybe Anthem 2.0 is a thing that will happen. I I still think inherently the kind of the basis of that game has potential. You could turn into something cool, or like as a I don't know. I, I grow bored defending Anthem at this point, even though I'm like, next up, we done talk about Anthem? I yeah. think so. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it sucks. My condolences for you, Anthem yeah. players. It sucks, but yeah. Um, is there anything else left? Is that it? Did we burn through everything? No, we still got yep. more. We got some, ep- oh, man. some epic stuff. So yeah. let's just, eh, not too much to talk about here, all right? So, yeah. well, I think the interesting one is that in the case Valve has been kind of dragged into it, they they fought unsuccessfully fought against a a uh, a subpoena for information about their own sales of certain games, and uh, Valve said argued that this is kind of private and proprietary information, but the judge ordered it anyways. That's really interesting. They got pulled into it's this some thing. weird yeah. data too. Yeah, essentially, they want to do some sort of comparison on, like, revenue, I guess? All right, right, so it says they'll allow them... Apple says that getting the data will allow them to calculate the total size of the market for Epic's digital distribution channels. Essentially, they're trying to argue that not being on Apple doesn't necessarily hurt Epic that much. I think that's what the argument sounds like here. Oh, interesting. So they're they're trying to say that well, even if they can't go on, you know, Apple Apple Store, then they can get revenue from other sources being on other, you know, on 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 Epics on other distribution channels. And uh I mean, we're not lawyers here, so I don't fucking know, but seems like a really weird argument seeing as how Apple holds a monopoly for Apple products. The Apple Store holds an absolute fucking monopoly for for all Apple products. Yeah, you I know, think iPhones that. and iPads and stuff. This so, is a situation where it can only backfire in some ways. Like cuz this opens up the argument of like, yeah, what if we could have Fortnite on Steam? And also you're right, like it's it's not apples to apples because Fortnite has its own launcher on PC. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I can, and this thing is like, I don't know. It seems really weird that they're, they're trying to get this data. I think it's a desperate play. I think it's one of those ones where 
how do I put? I this? think Apple's trying to avoid getting caught up in an actual antitrust yeah. lawsuit. Yeah, no, I think it's here. one of those ones where kind of like once you get down this rabbit hole, a lot of other stuff comes undone that has larger ramifications. Like, I'm not even sure Epic knows what beehive they're poking at at this point. Because Epic isn't, you know, isn't locked to anything. Yeah. You can, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it doesn't have it doesn't have a monopoly on PC well, sales. Epic has PC game sales to lose in this scenario. Yep, yep. And I, I know we kind of make the whole like Epic bad because exclusives on their console, Epic launchers and cost shit. Like they're, they're not being actively stopped from playing anything on Epic except for purchasing it. It's the whole yeah. kind of it's not in the same library that pisses people off. That's the problem there. And. But it's yeah. like, I'm fine with having four different libraries on my computer, yeah, which I do right now. If you're a real gamer, you wouldn't be, but yeah. I Just don't just don't really care. Yeah. But yeah, I think, but on, on iPhones, there is one store. Yeah. And so I think that's really what this is boiling down to. I think Apple might be just trying to be like, uh, uh, trying to end around on the argument that this is a, they they have a monopoly well, over I think over it's their, one of those ones where once you crack products. that it goes wider because the Apple yeah. store we accept because it's Apple phones and whatever uh, imagine if someone then takes this and widens it up to all of Apple products like they have a whole slew of programs that only work because there's no Mac version for it because people weren't willing to go through the process of getting it kind of Apple download store approved uh, again, I, I go back to I think Epic has nothing to lose and everything to gain in this situation, and it does nothing but make um, Apple look bad fighting this. And it then gets weirder too. Like right? you have this happen, the Google store's in trouble too because they're just as guilty of this as Apple. We're just kind of less mad at them because Google doesn't really make anything; they just kind of offer services. Yeah, and and the other thing I guess is that like you can legally put non Android store. Yeah apps on your phone. I have a couple on my phone right now. You just have to like kind of do a little setting that puts it into sort of developer mode and then yeah, download and install whatever you want onto your phone. So there are already end arounds on the Android store which are not a- not allowed in the Apple on Apple products. Like vehemently they will brick your phone if you try to do that. So Yep. Yeah. And I um, kind of rewind a sec. The data they were asking for is like the most impossible data possible, too, where it was like sales data for initially it was every game on Steam, which I would love God. to see a list of every Jesus game Christ. on Steam. But it's like, oh, it's shit. like, and the, and the amount, sheer amount of data they're wanting and the type of data, it's like they might not necessarily even keep all of that, yeah. what's being requested. And that's what that was a part of their initial argument against is like we don't necessarily even have that fucking information. Like some of it is is com- well, all right, because of data protection things and things uh, and like kind of data separation and privacy things. A lot of the data is separated, like it's 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 kind of divorced from. It's going to be really difficult. Well, for think them of to like compile. all the shovelware games on there that were just cheap cash grabs that like maybe worked but probably didn't i like i I, if you were there are tons of games on there that are less than five dollars yeah there are tons of them that are free 
that have a shit ton of microtransactions baked into them too. Like I, mm-hmm. I I'm thinking of like think of every porn game. It's not a porn game on Steam, but there's like a DLC you can get from elsewhere, like a download code you can get to turn that thing into a porn game. Like, and I think there's a weird backlash that happens here potentially where if you're Apple, you have to realize there's a couple games that if someone said, yeah, you could actually put like them not being Apple Store appropriate is costing them revenue. Imagine if you could release every H game you wanted on the Apple platform. Arguably, the platform better for that type of game. But yeah, it's <laughs> there's weird territory. We're not lawyers here, but it's just like it's fun to speculate. Yeah, and I will say, like the idea of like a judge reviewing these games and having to read like, oh, like some weird ass hentai yeah. title game as evidence into a court, like it's just oh, it's fucking hilarious. Sir? Congratulations. We need to read the list, sir. I'm not reading Cowbuster 9000 in a court of law. You have to, sir. God damn it. <laughs> what is this hentai harem tentacle Seven. studio? Uh, but it, you tell me more about this game? Another in- funny thing is, apparently the judge is just sort of like, alright, <laughs> so when when this is done, the judge basically said, uh, uh, Apple has salted the earth of subpoenas. It's not just you. That's what he said to Valve. Yeah. That's hilarious. Apple is they are definitely like desperately fighting this because I think they I think it dawned on them that uh we can't just push Epic out yeah. by just money. We aren't gonna be able to out money Epic. Oh no, if they lose this, they could really lose this too. Like that's Yeah. There's, there's a paradigm shift you could see happening. If they lose, and it's one of those ones where like, Epic doesn't have to win necessarily. Apple just has to lose for that paradigm shift to happen. Yeah, yeah. So there again, big ramifications for the entire game industry and possibly software yeah, industry in general. That too, hypothetically, like just like like there's a way you could spin an Apple losing verdict out into you have to be able to put non-Apple parts into an Apple machine, like. Imagine a world where I'm not stuck using like proprietary parts or like specifically designed for parts in an Apple computer at this point. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was it a is thing. a thing. Well, well, it's ongoing. Ongoing, and apparently there's a lawsuit against some Fallout 4 DLC that uh might be a bit of a monkey wrench in that one. <laughs> the the crux is the people calling with for this lawsuit, or at least the legal thing is. They are saying that they don't, they are asking at least a stop to the sale for now, or at least a temporary stop to the sale, because moving the assets, basically, if it's, if there's no longer Bethesda and it's out Microsoft, Microsoft could just say, we're not Bethesda, essentially, and then get rid of legal liability for the lawsuit. Mm. So that's, that's, that's why this particular. Uh, suit is asking for the sale to be at least paused for longer. So, yeah, that's interesting. And and the lawsuit's weird. Like, so it's based on the idea that Fallout Four had a season pass that for thirty bucks you got quote all the DLC, and that the games that the season's passes value would exceed forty dollars. That's guess the wording they used at the time for it. And the whole law, kind of the whole lawsuit revolves around the idea that 
it did not meet that. There was a kind of a second thing. This uh, what's it called? The create uh, the creation club, which was kind of a builder mode for Fallout. That was not really part of the first wave. It was the second wave, obviously, so it shouldn't be counted as part of that. And I don't think this will go anywhere. But it's fascinating to think this might totally that this might blow something that big up. It kind of revolves around the idea that the season pass stuff for Fallout wasn't story expansions necessarily. It was kind of more mechanical expansions, which one might say in other games might be free or much cheaper or, yeah, no, might not be season pass worthy in some way, shape, or form. And I suppose you're a company willing to pay 7.5 billion bucks for something, this might give you some odds or be reason to stop things for a little while. But, yeah, no. That's the thing going on right now. The nightmare is real. The lawsuits are coming. Oh, we should have talked about this while we were talking about Epic, but uh, so they settled up. They have settled a class action lawsuit and they're paying people out in in game currency over loot boxes, which I think is fucking fantastic. I gotta say, that's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> hey guys, so we're gonna. <laughs> We're gonna pay you out for a lawsuit and fucking loot boxes <laughs> and V bucks. Oh, that's fucking hilarious! I don't know if that's more well, insulting or less so insulting than a normal. The basic settlement. idea was that loot boxes contained like you were gonna average a certain value or higher based on kind of your investment into it, as opposed to just buying stuff. And that wasn't the case based on math. And so we, we talked about this way the fuck back when I think and. They're basically giving you the difference, so in theory, you could make some serious V-Buck off this, but I also don't think it's quite the settlement a lot of greedy people were hoping for. Like, what do you think the lawyer split on this thing is? <laughs> I don't know, like yeah. 10 crates of V-Bucks? <laughs> <laughs> a fistful of V-Bucks. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's a good phrase. <laughs> the founder title. For oh, we've the got podcast. some other good ones this week, though, too. <laughs> right, we do. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm great. I, for one, would like to see more kind of maybe not frivolous, but like obvious cash grab things about microtransactions be settled in in-game currency. I'm like, no, I. You're getting what you paid for at that point, so I, I get it. You wanted the money back, and I don't think you're necessarily kind of, like, obligated to get that as long as you get the difference in value. Like, imagine if EA was like, fuck it, yeah, we'll pay you out in useless currency from a game from three years ago, and you'll drop this lawsuit. Fuck yeah, we will. Oh, that would be hilarious to see. As good <laughs> as this one. but I, I have to ask, though, because this is, this is just... What's more insulting as a like as a settlement offer? Is it like the twenty bucks you would get from like let's say CVS lawsuit thing, the V bucks from Epic Games, or the like four ninety nine five dollars that you got from Fallout seventy six? when they were trying to give people money back for not getting all they got in the collection edition. I don't edition. know. Mind you. I... <laughs> yeah. They're all, they're all pretty good at being slaps in the faces, well, so... So this is where it gets weird, because I don't know how many V-Bucks they're getting back necessarily, but I think the difference in my mind is, if you were playing Fortnite back then and you feel ripped off by this, there's a pretty good chance you're still playing Fortnite, so that currency is still useful. 
So it's already better than the Fallout one because it's a game people enjoy and like and assumably are still playing. I think getting cashed out in a dead game or a dying game or a game you no longer play anymore is the most insulting way possible, especially because at that point you're probably technically costing that company negative money. Like the giving you that currency at a certain point is the most pointless doesn't matter thing ever. Because you're printing money, you're printing more fake money at that point, and it doesn't matter because you've already moved on to the thing making you real money at that point. You're not losing shit at that point, hypothetically. Yeah, but I mean, the the Fallout stuff was still during the height of all the stuff going on right now. Wasn't much, I guess. Like, I, I I, I think it's the Fallout one. I think it's actually the Fallout one. Yeah, because my favorite little tidbit, and I know I always remember this because it just stands out so much. They gave you what, like four ninety nine dollars, like yeah, five dollars worth of V bucks or not V bucks, but fucking Fallout seventy six currency. When there was a mailman outfit that came with a bag that cost yeah. seven ninety nine. Yeah. So even the payout they gave you wasn't enough to buy the yeah. fucking oh, yeah, bag. Oh yeah, I in remember that. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> Always stands out to me as fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I think it's. I think the answer is so long as that game is like not well regarded, and the amount you get back is less than anything useful in that game, or that you might want in that game's store is. That's the answer. Yeah, <laughs> that is the most insulting thing possible. Like, because still, you could get like a nickel back from a class auction lawsuit, and you still at least have a real nickel at that point. Yeah, you could throw yeah. that at a seagull. You could get like nineteen more of those and buy a candy bar. Like there's there's things you could do with like the pennies you might get out of a class action lawsuit. Money for essentially a dead game. No, it's just it's there. You're like, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm Adam Rich. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, that does it for our extended news section. Thank you for bearing with us. Uh, we're all caught up now. Uh, yeah, maybe having Nintendo Directs and BlizzCon and State of Play and all that stuff in one week was a poor choice on our part, but life happens and it gets in the way. <laughs> it does mean it's time as my voice just rapidly dies as part of this podcast. I'm sure you can hear it. <laughs> I mean, it does bring its yeah. two emails. Uh, WickedAwesomeCast at gmail.com. We do have one email and some just hilarious spam we've got in the last couple of weeks. I don't know what list we got in, but I am digging, digging through all this stuff. It is eye-openingly amazing in some <laughs> ways. Uh, yeah, to, to Kimberly at uh, White Gaming Zone, uh, congratulations on trying to get us to send you back any information. Your your no subject email we Ooh. received, not Kimberly, Kimberly, a, a real okay. name that definitely exists. <laughs> what were they asking I'd for? I send it to you if you want. It's yeah. It came in as dear clients. Mm. Oh yeah, my email account. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, no, that's always yeah. a good start to a message that you want. From PLD Enterprises, but we we do have a real email to get through this week. Again, you can reach out to us at wickedawesomecast@gmail.com. Spells it sounds down the show notes. You know the deal by now. And it's a quite simple question, and it's going to enrage Alex to no end, but... Dear Wicked Awesome Cast, I need your lofty food expert prowess. Recently, I overheard someone say that cereal was just milk soup, and now I can't stop thinking about it. Since I have to think about this, I figured I might as well spread the pain and 
you three now know about this. So, is cereal a soup? Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, maybe it's technically a stew? I was gonna say it's a chowder, technically, because it's milk-based. Mm. Oh, yeah, oh, you're right. Point. It is definitely chowder. Oh, shit. Yeah. Or, or at least... Cereal... <laughs> Well, it's like you know, cream of you know, cream of mushroom and yeah. cream of other uh, exist as soups. So yeah, it's it's yeah, cream it's of cereal. A, cereal, like if you were to write up cereal as a fancy way of being like a breakfast chowder, a breakfast if you will, chowder. it would be one of those. E- <laughs> <laughs> Start your day off with some breakfast chowder. A nice bowl of breakfast chowder. <laughs> Part of a well-balanced <laughs> breakfast. That's basically what cream yeah. of wheat is, technically. Yeah. <laughs> breakfast, yeah, breakfast chowder. <laughs> I think this is gonna piss off the writer of that no, email no, even I'm more. I'm just picturing, like, Captain Crunch branded breakfast chowder. It's just clam chowder <laughs> that comes in a box. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they've cut the clams... To look more like uh, Captain Crunch things. Oh, they've gone one step further. They've colored the clams to look like Crunch Bears. Yeah, they colored no, them in. They're all, yeah. So, yeah. New yeah. Captain Crunch. <laughs> Oops, all Crunch Berry breakfast. <laughs> Oops, all clam chowder. <laughs> all clams. Oops, all clams. What a fucking breakfast, oh my God. Or the flip side of that, it's, like, it's the old traditional breakfast commercial. Like, remember back in the old days, we did a heaping bowl of clam chowder for breakfast. It's like This old guy would be like, I remember. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Because yeah, my logic was like, what, it's, a, you... it's a gazpacho with that, like, cold soup exists, but, oh god, breakfast chowder. I think, like, like can you imagine, you're, I'm going to make some oatmeal, and you just pour out your box, and it's like Quaker Oats presents clam chowder flakes, and that's what you're pouring uh, into your fucking, uh. Or clam chowder oatmeal. I burned the oatmeal again. Now it smells like clams, <laughs> Oh god, it hurts to laugh. That would piss off. So, that would piss off so many people in the office. Oh, he's making his fucking clam chowder oatmeal again. What it? Oh, hold on. Would it be? A, oh, I think actually more technically, it would be pottage. Oh, doesn't pottage have like a wheat aspect to it? Technically, uh, so does a lot of cereal. Uh, my my all mushrooms lucky charms back to uh, mush all mushrooms lucky charms all marshmallow. Savory shit getting added into my breakfast cereal. God damn it! Like corn, like corn pottage, which I've had before uh, uh, so and I, I actually I, like. So I'm, I'm gonna throw a clarifier out there. It's pottage if it's made with non-cow milk. If it's made with cow milk, it's a it's definitely a chowder because right? the definition for pottage is a thick super stew made by boiling vegetables and grains in a and I guess meat. I guess technically, but it, it's it's the it's the Presence of dairy, specifically milk, that makes something a chowder at that point. So, yeah, soy milk, oat milk, all that stuff. If you're using that in your cereal, it's uh, pottage. Milk is used in pottage. Hmm? Milk is used in pottage. I think this, that, that just means pottage is chowder at that point. Uh, but yeah, pottage, yeah, a lot of pottage uses milk and grains. Mm-hmm. And which, milk and grains, that's cereal. So yeah. technically, pottage. Well, I think technically, clam chowder contains milk and potatoes, which are a starch. I don't know. I think yeah. pottage well, to the specifically thing. uses grains. 
like cereal. So well, how's a rice cereal fit to that? Is that technically like uh, God? What's the Chinese breakfast rice called? I'm blanking on it right now. Um, well, I mean, there's like a yeah. Uh, you can just have sweet rice. Uh, it's it's like it's, it's the rice soupy pudding. Stuff. I'm blanking on the well, name. It's like rice pudding exists. Yeah, so. well, that's that, that's rice pudding at that point. Uh, but I, I I feel as though I'm safe at least putting the stamp on that cereal is technically a soup. That's a broad yep. spectrum. If if the writer of this who was the name of the writer I'm sorry I don't know sure. uh, let me let me check okay I just I would just like to say to this anonymous writer that if you came in here thinking we could give you a better explanation for milk soup you're leaving with fucking breakfast chowder breakfast, as your response pottage. yeah so I hope you are more upset <laughs> thinking that somehow we would find you thought you could come to us. And upset us by bringing up milk soup. Charlie's on this fucking podcast. He's ruined pop tarts for me already. You, there's nothing food wise you can bring up to make things worse. If anything, I hope you finding out that your fucking breakfast cereal is a chowder makes things even. I am worse ready to for go you. to the mat for New England style breakfast chowder being better than New York style <laughs> breakfast chowder every day of the week. Now that we're down this hole, like I'm going to ride or die on this topic. <laughs> I, I'm 100. percent Ride or die on those two. Let's go. Breakfast chowder it is. I'm I'm still saying it's a pottage. I, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, I'm just not sure. I, I, <laughs> my family at one point had a long-standing debate about what there's a stoop and a stew was technically, and how that then like, explained a chowder. Because like, the obvious answer is like, well, stews are thick, but then a chowder is also typically thick. And now we've thrown the word pottage in there. I don't even know where to go at this point. Like, yeah, because technically speaking, soy milk is just soy tea at the end of the day because it's made by boiling a bunch of stuff. <laughs> the same way, though, that if it doesn't contain tea leaves, it's not actually technically tea. It's just infused hot water at that point. Like, yeah, mint tea isn't really mint tea. It contains no tea. It's just boiled leaves at that point, which is technically what all tea is. But Yeah, all yeah. tea is boiled leaves. Mm. <laughs> Occasionally flower petals. I, so I used to listen to a bunch of like old like Superman radio plays as a kid that were always going about fucking cream of wheat, and now I'm just swapping mm. in breakfast chowder instead of cream of wheat, and I can't stop laughing at those commercials in my brain. Like, hey kids, do you feel like a good morning, a hearty morning bowl of breakfast chowder? Or as they in New England say, breakfast chowder? Show those rooski bastards who's what what with your hearty bowl of American-made breakfast chowder. Made by Gorbin's Fisherman. The idea of clams before 9 a.m. in the morning is also gross, but I love it. I love it so much. What would the Lucky Charms equivalent be? Lucky Charms equivalent to what? The breakfast chowder. I don't know. Can you make? Because it's a combination of like. It has marshmallow in it, too. Yeah, it has marshmallows. That's a whole curveball. Yeah. Well, all right. So, marshmallow contains a lot of gelatin. Okay. And gelatin's made mm-hmm. from horses. Okay. And mm-hmm. so it has m- kind of like meat in it. So you think of it that way. It's a stew. It's Irish stew. We went totally different directions. Because I was like, what, you're going to put like fiber-boosting chunks of horse hoof in the cereal? No, well, that's what it has. Uh, it's, it but uh, yeah, te- So that makes it technically an Irish stew. I would say I, I I don't know where you were going with it, but I will say halfway through it, Henry Ford horse yeah, murder was very absolutely, and where this was going, I, I definitely I'm like <laughs> I 
you're going real Henry like, Ford. Like, this what kind of Henry Ford horse murder? Like Henry Ford's <laughs> bucket of lucky charms made a hundred percent real horse. Gallop up with every bite. Giddy up. Put that giddy, giddy up, up you in go. your morning. Yeah. Now As you get before you get into your car because now horses are not needed. Uh, with a hundred percent less mule. Yeah, we're going broad with this one because I love bringing it up whenever I get a chance to. Like, remember back when Cyril started putting like a hundred percent X free that they never actually contained? But you're like, wait, why isn't cornflakes claiming to be a hundred percent asbestos free? What is cornflakes hiding? <laughs> yeah, uh, we need to get off this. We'll stick here forever. Cause breakfast chowder. <laughs> this is an us thing at the end of the day. Absolutely. Oh yeah, wickedawesomecast@gmail.com. <laughs> Send it in. <laughs> Please join us down this rabbit hole if you've got more to add to this topic. We beg of you. Oh. Yeah, if you were coming here thinking for, looking for salvation, you found nothing. It's the hot nothing bowl that, so. of breakfast chowder. Yep. Served to you by Henry Ford oh. Horse Murderer. Ford Horse Murderer. Oh. Wicked awesome cast at gmail.com. That's it for the show this week. It's a long one. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back next week, probably, as soon as my voice recovers. Uh, yeah, no. Anything you guys want to say before we close this one? I feel like we've said everything there is to say, and there's no way we top fucking breakfast show. No. Uh, I will say, maybe online, all the social medias. I might even make a TikTok one day. Um, but yeah, maybe online, Facebook gaming, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter. I post random shit here and there, mainly my adventures in snow and. How I was done with that. Um, and occasionally I play I video games. I need more so, adventures yeah, of you in the snow so I can, like, critique them as one would, like, professional game tapes. Being like, ah, here's where this person went wrong by being an idiot. And not owning a real jacket <laughs> going out in the snow in wool pants. I am so glad I saved that story for the podcast. I was going to tell you about it on Discord, like, during like game idiot. night. Or, like... No, no, this is this is oh, definitely absolutely. podcast worthy. <laughs> I promise uh, next yeah. week will contain uh, less living in cold places pro tips. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe so, it won't. I can't make that promise. Yes. Yeah. That's me. Henry. Uh I'm Kraken Zero. That's spelled Z E R Zero. Uh and I am on I finally also made a Twitter account, but much like the Facebook page, they are just mirrors for what I post on Instagram. And I post on Instagram, I just use the app to cross-post to Twitter and Facebook page. Um, but also Kraken Zero on Twitch. And so, yeah, I've been streaming more often. I'll probably be streaming this week. I think I'm going to be streaming Panic, a game for the Sega CD, which is a kind of a wild game. But in any case... Nice. Yep. Also, I think I don't know if you had mentioned it, but like you just got Twitch affiliate, yep, didn't you? Just recently, I nice. finally started. Just yeah, it's not a very high bar, but but you have to kind of stream regularly to be able to pull it off. Yeah, I still haven't gotten mine because I've been way too lazy. But I saw you got it recently, so I wanted to make sure we give you a shout out for it. I don't know if you brought it up yet. Yeah, I have. Podcast, I haven't made but... my emotes yet. I'm still. I know what I want, but I'm trying to figure out if I need to like. Like pay somebody a little bit to make some for me, if I need to make them myself. Is there's a lot yeah. of artists like just for making just some Twitch emotes. They aren't charging too much. Like 
twenty or thirty bucks or something, and you know, that's I could yeah. I could that's that's payable. I'm willing to pay that definitely. Yeah, I paid to have my logo done, and I'm glad I did. So I can't draw worth shit, but I like my logo. But yeah, no, that does it for this yeah. week. Who wants to close this out? I think I did it last time, so I'll let somebody else do it. Cue the metal. (laughs) 